the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm sitting here watching uh, Fox News right now. they got the president on signing an executive order on retirement security. Haven't haven't gotten much uh, from it yet, so I'll wait till news breaks with it. Got any idea, Tim, of what he's talking about? No, I'm just tuning in right now, too. I wonder if he understands that the Social Security uh, right now is not in good shape. We went into the red this year on Social Security, so that's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. I mean, if you're if you're somebody like uh, me and you're 65 years old, you're in pretty good shape. You know, you're going to be grandfathered in. But, man, I'm going to tell you what, I think anybody who's 40 years young or younger how old are you tim <laughs> i'm in my 30s okay <laughs> uh, you may you may be waiting for you know ufo to show up uh, <laughs> you know when you're thinking about will you see any social security yeah and we've known this for years they just kept kicking the bucket down the road well they always they uh uh pay peter or they rob from peter to pay paul essentially well it's it's uh what do they call it? Uh, what kind of uh, Ponzi scheme? That's what this is. Mm-hmm. That's what it always has been. Yeah, I mm-hmm. always I always encourage people, especially um, individuals who are either in college or going at least going in through graduate school to learn something about your finances um, because that's the earlier you save, <laughs> and you would think that that's common sense, but you you do have to save early and budget. Let me. Say Roth mm-hmm. IRA. All right. That the reason I like Roth, real simple. You're going to pay the taxes on that money right now that you're going to put into savings, so that when you start, if you got a 401k, when you are ready to start taking that out, and you can start taking it out without any penalty at 59 and a half years old. But you're still going to have to pay federal tax and state tax on that. Mm-hmm. I know that because I had to take some money out here just recently, take care of some car uh, problems I had, and um, I had to sit down and figure how much. Like if I'm going to take out a thousand dollars, I the tax is twenty five percent, twenty five twenty percent to the feds and five percent to the state. Yeesh. So if you if you're taking out a thousand, you're really taking out twelve fifty, right? You know, so you got to sit down and kind of start thinking about. Let's say you wanted to take out twenty thousand. Take that two fifty times twenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can give about five grand, right? Not good. Just no. saying, you know. But the only good thing about it is that uh, there were a couple times when taxes kind of floated up a little higher. Now they're a little bit lower, so you get a little bit of a break right now but yeah you're exactly right i mean i i really am i'm envious of younger folks uh i would say if you're 40 years of age or younger you know it's only been about the last when did 401k start 30 years ago maybe maybe yeah yeah see 
I would have been 35 years old. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I can put away the money that everybody else was putting away before. I've been putting away money earlier than that, if I could have. But the stock market wasn't for the average Joe then. It was only for those who had money, yeah. big money. And then you were the only one that could play the game. Now, everybody can play the game, and everybody should play the game. And that's where that myth comes from. I, I talk to a lot of people who are more left-leaning, uh-huh. and I, I tell them how good the stock market is, and they say, well, that doesn't affect me because no. it only affects the fat cats. And uh, part of that, I I definitely put the blame on kind of the, the societal view of the stock market. It's always been seen traditionally as being Wall Street fat cats who profit from it. But, um, you know, trickle-down economy, and not just that, like you said, you, you don't have to be rich now to buy stock. Um, and I've, well, I've had several friends who, they make less than 25 k a year, and they yep. have stock, and they say, hell, you know, on, on a monthly basis, that extra $20 really helps. You sure. Know? That's another, um, that's more gas that I can pay for. That's definitely, especially if you're not a high wage earner, I mean, every penny helps. Yeah, just start putting it away. You don't have to put a lot away. You know what Einstein said? The most powerful force of the universe is compound interest. <laughs> and but he and he was a, he said. and he was a quantum physicist. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't tie shoes very well, but that's okay. That's fine. But yeah, I it's just it's just wow. Chaka Khan's put on some weight. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that you have the funeral for Aretha Franklin going, going on, on right, right now. now. And then right now, John McCain is lying in state at the Capitol. So you actually, we had a lot of big news this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a huge amount of news going on this week. Have you, did you see Shaka Khan uh, today, Zach? You remember what Shaka Khan used to look like? You know, when she was doing that great song, Tell Me Something Good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Shaka Khan fan. <laughs> and she's uh, put on about 50 pounds, man. She's singing at the tribute for Aretha. I've never, I have to see if I can hear this. Hold on, this thing. You hear that on? <laughs> Sing, girl. <laughs> can your listeners hear that? Can you hear that over there, Zach? Sing. It. <laughs> yeah, Shaka Khan. Audience it, going nuts. It's kind of weird. I actually saw Aretha Franklin in concert in 2011. Yeah, yeah, and it was a. It was she for can a private, sing, buddy. Uh, it was a for it was for a private function. There were maybe I don't know 150 people in the room. Whoa! And, and she had some pipes on her. Really? I mean, she could definitely sing. Aretha. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Aretha had one of the best voices for soul music that was ever born. Well, for her age, that's what oh, I mean. Well, yeah. Like, you know, 2011, that was only, that was barely seven, seven years, years ago. ago. So she was, what, about 77? Yeah. She's probably 69. Mm-hmm. Wow. She could sing. And she wasn't lip syncing. I mean, there, were, there weren't that many people in that room. And so we were all able to tell that was really her. But she, she definitely, uh, that was definitely a blessing. You're that saying she, she wasn't doing a Millie Vanilli? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just got to tell you, I love, I do, I really, I love that kind of music. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago. You got to understand, not in, right outside of Chicago. So Naperville? 
Now, 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 I was in northwest Indiana. Okay. Okay, Hammond, Indiana, right next to East Chicago, Indiana. And, uh, you know, I grew up with Chess Records, Motown, mm-hmm. you know, all the great rock and roll coming out of Detroit and Chicago. You had Ario Speedwagon, all them guys coming out of Sticks and all that. You had Ted Nugent. You had, I mean, just, and then you had, you know, I was listening all the great music coming out of Memphis at that time, and uh, you know Stax Records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, come on, I had the the best that you could get, the best uh, mix of music around. Yeah, was, wasn't wasn't a country guy. I'm just telling you, <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I wasn't a country guy. I was a rock and roll and a soul guy, and loved that stuff. And then Shaka Khan, you know, seeing Shaka Khan, that's cool. She's from Chicago. Yeah, I've seen her perform many and many a time. Well, it's, it's really interesting because when I was growing up, I actually wasn't a music person at all. Um, I don't think it's because we didn't like music. It just wasn't such a big deal. You just turn on the radio and you well, listen to it. Well, that's why you're just one of those Harvard unlikable people. <laughs> it's like, they don't know anything. Like, that kid's so uncultured. He doesn't yeah. know oh, any I, of this I, stuff. I read that article yesterday. I said, I got to get Tim Lim. <laughs> I got to hear what he's got. They, it, they literally said on the personal side, mm-hmm. well, Asian people are just unlikable. Yeah, and the rabbit hole goes deeper. So I actually, I skimmed through that article twice um, because there was something about it that was bothering me, like really bothering me. And then the, what I couldn't put my finger on it until I was comparing notes with things that Thomas Sowell has said because oh, yeah. he's been harping on this for a long time. Yeah. And I just thought it was funny that for that, that article actually did not go in the direction I thought they were going to go. I thought they were going to point at the fact that a lot of schools, they make the bar for Asians much higher um, on the national average. So it's not an even playing field. A lot of people out there listening might be thinking, well, co- going into college, you just need to make this grade point and just have this nope, amount of money. It is play that not way. like that at all, uh, especially in your Ivy League schools. That's the controversy is for Asian Americans, the bar is actually much, much higher. Um, and so they actually skew their... Uh, the requirements for entry based on race. And so that's what I thought the article would talk about. I didn't expect that part where there was like that that subjective qualifier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was the way they were getting around race. Race, exactly. That's exactly what they were doing. They, yeah. were, they were saying, well, I mean, it, it was very clear in their own material that they have, have uh, written about, you know, they're asking, they're saying that they're being discriminatory. And mm-hmm. they said, well, we got our the personal side of all of this and I, I think it was sports academics things that you did in the community community involvement and then it was this personal thing which was really really subjective and yeah. in that it said well when we went back and we we were checking on all of the people that we've turned down that are asian americans and we found that in the personal side of our looking at these people they were just not unlike they're just unlikable <laughs> and i'm like holy cow yeah it just keep you out of school because well we just don't like you can you imagine <laughs> if i said that about a group of black students or hispanics or hispanics i'm gonna I, i'm not gonna let you in because you're just not likable well and this is a very good it's a good topic of conversation and the reason why is because uh, there are a lot of institutions that do have a subjective component. And I've actually 
uh, encountered some of these institutions where they do it, and they actually have good reasoning behind it. For example, on paper, you could have a very good student, but for if they're trying to become a doctor or something and they don't have bedside manner, and you can tell because when you're talking to them that there's something not quite right, you know, something that is a little bit off. Like that one kid on the TV show? Sure, <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. You saw that show, didn't you? He's like autistic. Have you seen that one? Yeah, The, the Good, good doctor? doctor. Yeah, The Good yeah. Doctor, yeah. I just didn't want to watch it. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have much bedside manner or, or house. I mean, he's another example. Right? Loved house, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you think about, so let, let's assume that house wasn't that brilliant. Let's assume that he yeah. was very good, but not this stellar guy who could just solve every problem. That me- that metric has to be there so that they could, um, th- they could have they could have a reason that not, isn't necessarily quantifiable for not letting him in. But the problem with it is when you look at, for example, the Harvard thing, you can't look at it just in its own context. You have to look at it with outside context, looking at other schools and how Asian Americans have the bar set higher for them. So you're right. That's when the logistics come in where you're thinking to yourself, is it because they don't have the personality or are you using that as the excuse? That's what they use it for. Correct. Yeah. And that's what I'm inclined to agree with as well. Yeah. And I guess DOJ is, uh, you know, they're going after him about this, and mm-hmm. they're saying now, they say next month, which would be September, that they're having another court date yeah. dealing with this. I think they're going to lose. I, I think so, too, but um, Harvard better get their crack team of lawyers in you place. Better, <laughs> they better be ready, and, and I wonder if they're going to try to push it all the way to the Supreme Court. If they do, the left is going to hate Harvard. Yeah. Because, well, not only is Harvard doing this, but if you look at most Ivy League schools, they use this because they're really lefties. And, you know, they're trying to, uh, well, we're not trying to have the exact amount of black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, white people all together. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, when you look at what they're doing, it's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. The, they put quotas on things and that's um you know i came prepared with some reading material here but thomas Sowell he just talked about this about two years ago and he said this is uh if you want to trace the root of all of this you look at how the eastern seaboard college admissions looked like prior to the 1950s and what they were having was they were having a problem with the number of Jewish students applying, especially like at at Harvard. Yeah, or older you know, you don't want a bunch of Jews at your Exactly. School. And so what they did was he, he said that with all the recent talk of diversity being a buzzword, it's actually not new. It actually started, um, in, as far as college is concerned, it actually started on the Eastern Seaboard when they had to think to themselves, well, we don't want all of these Jewish people applying. What do we do? Well, let's just say that we have to diversify our population so that way you set this artificial quota so you can actually control the influx of people coming in um and he said that's actually kind of where all of this started and now you kind of see it with other uh, demographics as well he's always said uh, again for listeners out there thomas soul always said that if you want to disprove the left's use of statistics always introduce asians into the mix because you look at any statistical data they point out, you'll notice that they almost always leave Asians out, and it's because it actually dispels their narrative. Which means Asians do really, really well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and everybody's known that for a long time, right? 
They're not mm-hmm. called Asians for a reason. It's of Bijans or Cisians <laughs> <laughs> or Dijans. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. Tim Lim's here. I brought him on because I, I really wanted to talk a little bit about this story. I think it's important that we talk about it. Uh, the other story, big story breaking today locally is uh, State Senator Jeremy Hutchinson, the uh, governor's uh, nephew, has been indicted on 12 counts. I'll go over that with you when we get back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. If I talk about it, i got to play a little of it, all right? Here's Shaka Khan for you. Sing along. FCC, I only get I only get a couple minutes, so I can sit and listen to that whole song. Man. It's a great song. Tell me something good, Shaka Khan. I like that stuff. She is uh she did uh, the musical salute to Aretha Franklin today at her at her uh, funeral, and it looked like a pretty good uh, funeral. I, did I I just saw Jesse Jackson there? He was there today, huh? Yeah, apparently, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg is there, and. Um, Bill and Hillary Clinton, but no, of course, of course, <laughs> Jesse Jackson there is there, and Bill and Hillary and Whoopi and all the rest of them. Yeah, look at Check that. Look at all. Look all at those all. pink cars. That's that's her old uh, pink Cadillac. That's yeah. what they're driving out there. Very, very, very cool. Very nice. All right. So uh, celebrating the life of Aretha Franklin. Something to no doubt that is something to to uh, celebrate. All right, let's go back a little bit more. we got about a minute here. What else did you want to bring up about this whole Harvard thing? Um, I was just going to read the quote by Sowell on the air. Okay, go this ahead. Is, this is the one that he published, I'm, I believe, in 2016. And, um, I, again, it's really strange. There's a lot of talk about diversity, and so this is very prescient to the news. But Thomas Sowell said in 2016, quote, Although diversity has become one of the leading buzzwords of our time, as a history that goes back several generations. In the early 20th century, the principle of geographic diversity was used to conceal bias against Jews in the admission of students to Harvard and other leading academic institutions. Because the Jewish population was concentrated in New York and other East Coast communities at the time, quota limits on how many Jewish students would be admitted were concealed by saying that Harvard wanted a diverse student body. So all of this is not necessarily new, especially to Harvard. I mean, they already have like a track record of engaging in this type of behavior now it started with jewish people right mm-hmm. yeah right. kind of interesting yeah for the folks in the black race who you know 
think that they've been the one that's always been picked on. That's not the case. Not the case in any way, shape, or form. You're just in a long litany of people who have been taken advantage of. All right, a break. Let's get to the news. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick's show. Uh, if you got what we um, had made uh, here earlier, uh, told you big story breaking locally, it's about uh, State Senator uh, Jeremy Hutchinson. Now, full disclosure, Jeremy Hutchinson, good friend of mine. Uh, in fact, he's represented me in, in just the last three years. I used him as my lawyer. Uh, and it hurts me when I see what he has evidently done. Now, he hasn't, he's just been indicted. He hasn't gone to trial yet. We'll be interested to see what happens uh, when that happens and what comes out of all of that. Uh, let me give you the whole story here. I had stories sitting right here in front of me. Let me get back to it here. Just got to find it. And uh, I'll read it all to you. He's in some really, the indictment puts him in some very deep kimchi, as we like to say in the military. Federal grand jury indicted an Arkansas state senator on 12 counts in a scheme to steal campaign contributions and falsify finance reports and tax uh, filings that, according to U.S. Attorney Cody Hyland for the Eastern District of Arkansas, you'll remember Cody Hyland was attorney over there in uh, Conway for years and then uh, moved over to the Eastern District of Arkansas. I know Cody really well as well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a definitely above-the-board prosecutor, and if I were anybody that was being found of doing some malfeasance, he's the last guy I would want to be the prosecutor because he's straight arrow. Uh, senator Jeremy Hutchinson, 44, who has served as a state senator since 2011, faces eight counts of wire fraud for spending the campaign funds on personal expenses and falsifying reports and four counts of filing false uh, tax returns from 2011 to 2014. Uh, let's see. This indictment by the grand jury represents serious charges, and we look forward to preparing our case and presenting it to a jury of 12 people who we trust to do justice in this matter, said Highland. Hutchinson is scheduled to appear before U.S. Magistrate Judge Patricia S. Harris on September 18th. Highland says uh, wire fraud charges carry a maximum penalty of up to 20 years imprisonment, a $250,000 fine, and three years of supervised release. The tax fraud charges carry a maximum of three years in prison, a $100,000 fine, along with the cost of prosecution and one year of supervised release. Now, when I look at this, I don't know if that $100,000 is on each count or all three counts. So when I look at all this stuff, I don't know. The wire uh, fraud charges, so it says that in plural, so that would mean to me all eight charges it would hold the maximum penalty of 20 years. <coughs> the case was investigated by the FBI and the Internal Revenue Service, and then uh, turned over to Highland for grand jury. Uh, 
Got some more here. Let me see what I got here. I'm looking for it. Scheme. I had in uh, the story that I had in the the, the official um, material uh, that was published. I think it was on conduitnews.com uh, is where it was from. And let me see if it was on my email and it was not. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff coming here. Let's see what we got here. Here we go. Boom. Come on. All right. Now I'll get the part here from uh, Conduit because they published the the indictment in its entirety, but it looked like the amount of campaign funds that he diverted to his own personal use was $352,000. Wow. That is a lot of money. That's, you know, I don't know if what kind of defense you're going to put up uh, on that. Um, no, here it is. I've got it now. And bring it up real quickly. Let me see if I can find that. Use all of it. Says uh, from at least 2010 through 2017, Hutchinson's also created or caused to be created campaign flyers, commercials, advertises political campaigns, yada yada yada. Um, it's just all kinds of stuff of how they furthered the scheme for all of this, and I'm looking for breakdown here just so I can give you all of this and I know that you'd be interested in this part here it is from at least 2010 through 2017 Hutchinson solicited and accepted or caused to be solicited and accepted at least $350,000 in campaign contributions and donations to his political campaigns for Arkansas State Senate and deposited or caused to be deposited those contributions and donations into his campaign accounts as well as his personal accounts over the same period Hutchinson stole stole misappropriated and converted for his personal use thousands of dollars in campaign contributions and donations deposited into his uh, campaign accounts and personal accounts between 2010 and 2017 Hutchinson organized or caused to be organized and attended several fundraisers for his political campaigns for Arkansas State Senate to facilitate such fundraisers and to induce individuals and entities to donate to his political campaign. Hutchinson emailed fundraising solicitations, uh, friars, invitations to fundraisers to potential donors for his political campaigns for Arkansas State Senate. And this just coming in to me, I'm just being notified that, um, let me find that. It was just sent to me. It must have been a text. I'm zooming between my emails and my text right now. Uh, the Democrat Gazette has just reported that Jeremy Hutchinson intends to resign uh, from the Senate. I mean, he's not running for re-election. And Governor Hutchinson has supported his decision. Who's going to occupy the seat in his absence? Well, he's, uh, I don't know. Um, at this time, I do know that uh, Kim Hammer is the Republican nominee 
for his Senate seat. The other, and I can't think of the lady's name, she's the one that was behind uh, uh, the uh, medicinal marijuana bill. I can't think of her name right now. She's been on my show several times. Uh, but uh, I think that um, and believe that Kim Hammer will win that seat. Um, and to say that you had somebody was breaking the law, and we'll find out what they have to say about that in court. Uh, I don't worry at all about Kim Hammer. I know he's one of the most straight shooters that I know of. So anyway, that's the latest. I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for this shoe to drop, and everybody's been waiting for quite a while. It's been several months. I kind of wondered if maybe Jeremy was working with the FBI, but evidently was not, uh, because uh, if you've been working a deal with the FBI, uh, this is the kind of stuff you wouldn't expect to come up. So uh, he's got some serious, serious finagling to do, and uh, I don't know what he can do as far as, you know, I'm sure he'll try or his lawyers will try to um, come up with some deal with this, because I, I can't imagine uh, Hutchinson wanting to you know do twenty years in prison. And I guess that they intend to take this in front of a jury of twelve. He's not going to take this um, just in front of a judge. No, absolutely not. I mean, I can't imagine anyone would. I mean, um, in light of it, so I think what what's going through my head right now is my the only thing I can compare it to on a national level is kind of like what they're saying right now about Michael Cohen and Trump and the what is considered to be a violation of campaign finance laws whenever you are allocating them to whatever reason it might be. So I'm I'm not aware of the full story. I don't know if he used those funds for private purposes and then like refilled his coffers, but it sounds like from the news article that you read that he just used them. Yeah. And that's Yeah, travel, it's just travel and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. I mean, on the national level, a lot of people have gone into some big trouble or at least scandalous behavior because of that. I mean, you got to well, you got know what, where your money What's is the guy going. in California right now that's in mm-hmm. all of that, right? It's uh, Duncan. Yeah. It's a hunt, uh, hunter, isn't it? Is yeah. It, was his name Duncan? His, his dad was a, a, a congressman before him, and uh, he's fighting off charges that he used his campaign money to buy tickets to, you know, sporting events and things of that nature. Right. I could, you know, I'm going to just be honest. I could see where... There's people who would look at that, and it would cause them all kinds of problems to see all that money sitting there, and all you can spend it on is on commercials and stuff like that. Yeah, and there's a fine line between what is considered a necessity for your campaign or for your business or enterprise versus what is done as a luxury. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like that with, for example, for my private business, I I have a credit card that I use for business expenses, and... Uh, I have to make sure that I can justify it because, I mean, being like an artist, there are things that I buy that are, you know, typically not in the roster of things that you think of when you think of that type of thing. So if I buy like a coffee table book using that um, that credit card, I have to be able to justify for myself, this is definitely something I'm using for my business because I need uh, desk reference or whatever it might be. 
So I know that that's a little bit different, actually a lot different than, say, a campaign. But you just have to wonder. I mean, what I've heard from campaigns is, for example, if they're going to throw like a party for their donors or something like that, then maybe you can skirt, you can you can get away with it because you can justify it as being part of that. But you know what what's not going to hold water in the court of law is if it turns out you just did that for yourself. (laughs) You know, can't just go around throwing Dave and Buster's parties just because. No, no. Here's what uh, is being reported from the uh, the Dem Gas. Uh, Arkansas State uh, Senator Jeremy Hutchinson has been indicted in the scheme to steal campaign contributions and use them for personal expenses. That according to the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of uh, uh, Arkansas Friday, Hutchinson intends to resign from office, his attorney said in a statement later this afternoon. Hutchinson, a Republican who was first elected, as a state representative in 2000 and then as a state senator in 2011 is facing eight counts of wire fraud totaling $9,790 that's the wire fraud and four counts of filing false tax returns that's uh, a September 18th court appearance being set according to the indictment the legislator spent campaign funds on personal expenses including a Caribbean cruise a vacation to New Orleans, gym memberships, and Netflix fees between 2010 and 2017. Jeremy Hutchinson allegedly diverted contributions from his Arkansas State Senate campaigns to pay for an array of personal expenses, according to an assistant attorney general. The charges in this case demonstrate the commitment of the department and our law enforcement partners to uh, investigate and prosecute those involved in alleged campaign-related misconduct. Now, Hutchinson's attorney, Tim Dudley, said in his statement that the indictment contains inaccurate factual allegations, but that the lawmaker still plans to step down. Quote, his resignation is not an admission of wrongdoing, nor should he be forced to resign because of an allegation. He is doing so simply to allow the people's business in the state capitol to go forward without unnecessary distraction. Hutchinson in the statement said he, quote, worked very hard to serve all my constituents. Nobody would want to find themselves in my present position, but I intend to defend myself and offer truthful evidence to a jury as soon as possible. I do not agree with decisions that have led us to this place, but I am powerless to control those decisions. However, I continue to believe in our system of justice and will trust that it will produce a fair and just result in this uh, case. According to the release from the U.S. Attorney, the wire fraud counts are related to falsified state campaign finance reports and soliciting campaign donors with fraudulent intent. Arkansas Representative Michael Gray, the chairman of the Democratic Party of Arkansas, said Hutchinson should immediately resign from office. He did, okay? Okay, now you can sit down and shut up. Um, I'm going, when we come back, I'll take a break. I have Governor Asa Hutchinson's statement about what has happened as well. So that's coming up in a minute. Let's take a break on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, got about five minutes here, Tim, until the top of the hour. Here's what Governor Asa Hutchinson had to say about the indictment today of his nephew, 
uh, uh, Jerry, Jeremy Hutchinson. I just learned of the indictment against Senator Jeremy Hutchinson for campaign expenditure and federal tax violations. This is a very sad day for everyone when a family member is charged. I have to look at this sad news as an uncle, but also as a political leader in the state. Quote, as an uncle, my heart aches for Jeremy's children and expanded family. This is a tough time, and it will not get any easier in the coming months. As a political leader, I know the United States attorney always reminds the public that these charges are only allegations and he is presumed innocent, but the reality is that the charges alone undermine public confidence in our system of government. For that reason, Jeremy understands he needs to resign from the Senate, and I support that decision. He will need to devote his resources and energy in answering these allegations. So just a typical what you would expect for someone to say in this kind of situation. And I, I, I feel sorry for their family. I really do. Uh, I've had members of my own family uh, far back in the past that they had problems, not like this, but they had some legal problems and, uh, it, it uh, that mud splashed on the whole family, you know, came out that uh, the person wasn't guilty. But I'm going to tell you what, once they, once they cast doubt on you, it sticks around a long, long time. Yeah. And that's the, that's the shame of it all if, is just the allegation on its own is enough to kind of tarnish your reputation, regardless of whether or not it transpired um, or not. That's just something that, you're going to have to contend with and wrestle with. So um, the best thing to do, I guess, at this point is just let the courts decide. Well, that's all you can do. You yeah. Let the court, uh, I don't know when his uh, trial will come up. He He's going to appear in front of the judge on the 18th, and that's when they'll probably uh, signal when they're going to have the trial, and we'll all see if it happens on that day or they say they need more time, you know, to get evidence and, and things of that nature. So I don't expect to see it any time this year. Let's just put it that way. Probably next year sometime. Boy, that's that's how a speedy trial comes about now in the United <laughs> States. You know, you want a speedy trial. Remember what the Constitution says, you're, you are guaranteed a speedy trial. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. A year and a half, two years. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. It can go, it can go longer than that. Well, a lot of it can be determined of course that you got to get it to the you know how fast does the legal defense team want to get into mm-hmm. into the you know the jury room and stuff who knows anyway that's where we're at right now we'll come back we've got other things to talk about i'm trying to get uh, the information of what the president was talking about earlier today we'll see what happens uh, on, the, on all of that here uh, on the dave elswick show tim Lim is here with me Talking politics today, not even talking, haven't even mentioned a comic book with him. Not once. By the way, how is your comic book going? It's great. We got a retweet by Dan Bongino this morning. Really? Yeah, we're expected to cross 66K by the end of the day. Fantastic. Good, 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 good things to hear. Thank you. More coming your way. News is next. Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the uh, 3 o'clock hour. We covered a couple of stories in the last hour. We covered... Uh, with uh, Tim Lim, this whole story about Harvard and how they have been 
you're not supposed to try to set up uh, your college to reflect a perfect uh, percentage of uh, different races that you let in. And uh, Harvard's been doing that for years. And on top of that, uh, with Asian Americans, what they've been doing is using a particular uh, area of how to rate students. You know, like, did you play sports? Do you Did you work in the community? What kind of grades did you get? You know, when you were asked to write, you know, a, a paper about why you want to be in Harvard, you know, how was your paper and stuff. And then... There was one that was a personal. What was the exact words you remembered him? Personal something. Um, I don't know, but basically boiled down to an interview. <laughs> yeah, how we feel about you. Yeah. And most of the Asian Americans that went through this failed it and were said to be unlikable. Yeah, I mean, I'm a likable guy, but I mean, I don't. I can't but speak that's just for... Like, that's, that, is, that is so just... So wildly subjective. Yeah. I mean, look, I really like you. <laughs> if you went to Harvard, they really wouldn't like you. Yeah. That's basically what they're saying. And it's all going to boil down to what is the purpose of an education? If the purpose of an education, especially if you're going to be at the Ivy League, if the purpose of it is to complete your degree plan and leave, and in the case of Harvard, to get the best of the best, which I'm guessing they want to, to retain that their dignity, then there should not be a subjective metric for admission because, I mean, you are trying to get people who you feel like are the cream of the crop. Yeah, the smartest and brightest that's available. Yeah, and... That uh, want to come there. We see that not only in just getting into Ivy League schools, but we see it in medical schools too. There's a a disproportionate number... And law schools. There's a disproportionate number of Asian Americans. And with that, I'm lumping in people of Indian descent, too, because I think a lot of census and uh, demographic data will actually say that Indians and Asians are basically in the same category, which is fine. But... You guys are just too smart. <laughs> well, culturally, we put a lot of emphasis on education. Um, that is just how we've, we yes. grow up. I mean, I, I personally don't feel smarter than anyone else, but I will say that when I was growing up, that was a big deal. Like, uh, I didn't play sports, and I spent all the time not practicing on the field doing book learning. So, I mean, I don't think I'm genetically smarter, but I do think that maybe academically, I definitely put a lot of time into it. And so, we we see a lot of these reports coming out now. A lot of papers have been written about how Asian Americans are actually given a, a handicap, essentially, where they actually make our admission score higher because they want to kind of weed out a lot of the Asian Americans who don't make it there. Well, what happens when these Asians outperform other people and other demographic groups at a lower bar that's still relatively high <laughs> compared to yes. the whole? Uh, you know, what does that say? I mean, and, and not just that, but the thing about med school, let's say you let's say you're partial you're partial towards Australian Aborigines. That's the latest diversity group that needs pandering to and so you put their mcat score at the lowest and you put their um standardized test scores under gpas at i don't know 3.0 well if you're the patient and you know that this australian aborigine or eskimo or martian or venusian 
got into medical school and graduated at a lower caliber, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's you a good know? question. That's, yeah. that's a really good question. I mean, uh, this is what Robert Steinbach has been fighting for years now at uh, over at Boeing. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a minority, when you go to try to get into law school, they give you X amount of points right off the top. You know, you start off, let's say instead of of starting off at zero, they start you off at, I'm just making this up, I don't know if they do or not, 900. And you need 1,300 to get in, right? Right. And they, uh, they give them 900 points to start up with. And so they make sure that they get those folks in. Well... Robert says, but if you follow what has happened, are you really helping these people? You let them get into school, and maybe they pass. You know, maybe it takes them a little longer, but maybe they pass. Now they've got to take the bar. And guess what? An inordinate amount of those people that got extra points to get in don't pass the bar. Yeah, uh, I have several stories that are very similar to that. One of them comes from a mutual friend of ours whose name I will not mention, uh, and they, they work at the university. And he just told me the story last weekend where what happened was uh, he was approached by a student who was an undergrad. And the student uh, said, hey, do you know where um, this – do you know what happened to this class that I'm taking? And he said, well, what's the deal? And the student said, I got an email this morning saying that class was going to be only 20 minutes long, but it was going to meet and that we were having a test on Monday. So I'm here and no one is there. So they went over to the classroom. They went to see inside. And sure enough, the door was locked. It was black. No one else could be there on the inside. And so my friend said, are you sure your email said to meet? And he said, yeah, I'm absolutely certain. He said, let me take a look at it. He looked at the email and the email started off by saying, Rather than meet for class for 20 minutes, we're just going to have our test on Monday. And my friend said, it says in your email, rather than meet for 20 minutes. And the student said, I interpreted that as we are going to meet for 20 minutes. And my friend was thinking to himself, how in the world are you an undergrad student at this institution of higher learning and you don't know how to decipher rather than meet for 20 minutes? Which means you're not going to meet. Right, exactly, which means you're not meeting. So you, the te- the you drove test all this is coming way. up on Monday. Exactly. You drove all this way for nothing because you could not interpret the sentence. And he even told me, he said, this guy, I mean, I don't know how relatively bright he is, but he looked like he was in his, he's a young young man, you know, in his early 20s. He's like, how is this guy going to grad? We're still going to give him a diploma, I'm sure, at the end of four years. And you're going to have this guy running out there who can't even interpret, like, this sentence. <laughs> I mean, so... They're going to have a harsh reality check years down the line when reality hits them in the face and they actually have to perform in a world with consequences attached to it. That's where things get really scary. But you talk about um, a lot of the quotas we have. You don't have a quota in sports, right? Right. I mean, what if I want to play in the NBA? Well, you can't because you're five, eight and a half and (laughs) you can't even shoot free throws. And I'm like, yeah, but diversity quotas, right? Like. What about me? Can I get in? They're like, no, no. No, you can't jump, Dave. It's that problem. You got a white <laughs> man can't jump. I can ski. That's pretty much the only thing I can do, sports-related. Skiing's okay, but okay, everything skiing else. skiing or snowboarding? I can't snowboard. I don't have balance. No, oh, okay. No, 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 I'm old school. Well, you got to ski. ski you got to have some balance. Yeah, but you got these two 
planks to help you out, you know. <laughs> okay. I haven't tried those. Those They have those new ones called, like, ski shoes. I want to try that out next time I go skiing. I've not even heard of ski shoes. They're, they're basically, they're like skis, except they're a lot shorter. They're basically only, you know, like a foot long. So Okay. But, yeah, the is whole thing is Is it for small mess. people? No, I, they, supposedly it's for more, it's for durability. Um, they're, it's more like ice skating, essentially. Wow. Unbelievable. All right, let's get a break in. We got to do that, and then we'll come back. Don't forget about Sonny's Auto. It's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their phone number, 982-7451. Whether it's a motor or a transmission, a rear taillight, uh, maybe um, a motor from inside a uh, automobile door, so you can get your window to go up and down. You can get all that kind of stuff from Sunny's Auto Salvage. They use well-maintained total loss vehicles. They take all the working parts off of them, check them out, make sure that they work, and then they'll sell them to you and put on your car at about half the price of putting a brand-new car uh, piece on to your automobile, save you a lot of money, give you a, a one-, two-, or three-year warranty on all the parts, parts and labor, and um, unlimited mileage, so you know for three years you don't have to worry about nothing. That's exactly what I do when I use Sunny's Auto Salvage. To call them, see if they got the part that you need. Nine eight two seventy four fifty one. Nine eight two seven four five one. Here we go. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I just found out something. What does she do? General surgery. She she could have taken out my gallbladder then. <laughs> She she likes taking out gallbladders. She actually a few does. years ago I had to have my gallbladder taken out. I had gallstones. Do you, do you know what uh, a um, I'm trying to think uh, what is it the the, the, the um, Ohio State Buckeyes? You know what a Buckeye looks like? No. Okay, Buckeyes about here. I'm turn on the picture here so everybody <laughs> can see. It's about that big around. Okay, it's pretty good size. I had six of those. In my, my gallbladder. Gosh. Wow. I've got one of them somewhere still in a container full of saline, uh, saline solution. And I've been waiting so that I can take it somewhere where they've got that uh, clear uh, stuff they could pour over it mm-hmm. and freeze it in it so yeah. that I can use it for a paperweight. I just never got around, <laughs> around to doing it. But yeah, I had six of those. In case it's an ember. I had, yeah, I had, a really, I had a really bad gallbladder attack. And uh, they found out that I had these gallstones, and then I had to sit in the hospital for a week before they could take out my gallbladder. Wow. Because it was infected, which means I didn't get to eat anything for for a week. and Not even liquid. I didn't get to drink any water or anything. So you starved. Yeah. Wow. It was not fun. And then they they went ahead and uh, they removed them, and it was like, uh, uh, Mr. Ellswick, they come in on Friday afternoon, we're going to take you into surgery tomorrow. Fantastic. (laughs) Couldn't wait. (laughs) I can't wait. That's the truth. They took me in. All they had to do was make three small punctures in and and take it out. The only problem that the doctor ran into is he had to make an incision to get the gallstone or the gallbladder out. Wow. He didn't want to break up all those stones, so he took it out. And uh, he saved, you're not supposed to do it, but he saved me one of them and gave it to me. It was big, man. It was big. I'm like, tough. 
Anyway, okay. Have you ever been to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia? Uh-uh. So it's a museum of medical oddities is what it is. Okay. And um, I don't know if it's the world record, but it's pretty big. It, it's a man who had a six-foot-long colon, and they preserved it. <laughs> so you can – that's like the highlight of their collection when you're walking through. They have this big – it looks like an aquarium, and it's nothing but this big colon. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> That's kind of disgusting. How how long is your colon normally? I, I don't. It's not six feet. I yeah, can tell you that. Probably about a foot and a half or two feet or something like that. Yeah. Wow, unbelievable. All right. So we were wondering what uh, President Trump was talking about today. Mm-hmm. Something really serious, to, as we find out. President Trump today signed an executive order directing the government to review rules requiring retirees to start taking annual withdrawals from retirement funds after they turn 70 and a half and to consider making it easier for small businesses to offer employees 401ks. Now, the way it's set up right now, once you hit 70 and a half, they'll start removing money from your 401k whether you want to or not. Now, I've always thought that that, they don't want to do that because – or they want to do that because they think it's helping you. The government wants their tax money. Right. That's what it comes down to because uh, as they take your money out of 401k, you didn't pay any taxes on it when they put it in. Now when you take it out, they're going to you know, take, uh, take the taxes back. I found that out here just recently. But anyway, the action expected uh, or was signed to do, during a ceremony in Charlotte, North Carolina, ahead of the Labor Day weekend is billed by the White House as a push to better prepare workers uh, for retirement. As part of the initiatives, uh, the Treasury Department would review the rules on required minimum distributions. A lot of people don't know about this. uh, From retirement plans to see if investors would be able to keep more money for a longer time in 401ks, individual retirement accounts, and other tax sheltered savings plans. If successful, what that allows you as a retiree is to spread your retirement savings over a longer period of time. Uh, the executive order also uh, directs the Treasury and Labor Departments to consider issuing regulations that can make it easier and cheaper for smaller employers to band together. See, this always should have been allowed to band together to offer 401k type plans for their workers. So, uh, you gotta, you got to love that. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking that it's going to be very, very cool uh, to be able to do this. I've always thought it was a little suspect that the federal government could could order you to start taking money out of your 401K. Yeah. And they know they're going to get at least 20%. Uh, right now, I know that when I, if I go in and, and make a disbursement or if I go in and take some money out, since I'm... 65 now once i pass 59 and a half there is not that 10 percent penalty of taking money out early so i don't have to pay that but whatever i take out let's say i take out a thousand dollars i'm giving 250 dollars to the federal and state government of that thousand dollars so i'm really only going to get 750 Mm mm-hmm which is why, like we talked about before, you take out twelve fifty in essence, because you have to. That's exactly you have right. To pay them, yeah, and and that's what when you t- like, for instance, I'm with Wells Fargo. When you talk to them, they say, "What do you want your net to mm-hmm. be?" And I'll say, "Well, I need five thousand dollars." 
and then they start looking at how much taxes you got to pay. So if you figure two fifty for every thousand, take two fifty times five. That's a little over thirteen hundred dollars. Okay. So now instead of getting five thousand out, you're getting sixteen. You know, sixteen thousand three hundred and fifty dollars plus. It's going to cost you forty dollars to get it removed by Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to be about fourteen hundred dollars that other people are taking away from you. Yeah. Once you learn, once you start learning stuff like that, uh, <laughs> that's how you become a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I became a Republican a long time before that. <laughs> I, my, my, you know what? What really made me a Republican? What? Because it was was when you go to the store and you look at how much what you're buying is, and then you go and you see how much the sales tax is that you're paying, and then you sit down and figure out, well, how much am I paying for this product more than I should be paying for it because the federal government is taxing them in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, And so they're putting that into the price of the product. You know, people say, well, look, I look at how much uh, money I pay out of my paycheck. Let me tell you what. Most people think they pay about 45% of what they make in taxes. I'm telling you it's closer to 65%. Mm-hmm. You get, there's a ton of hidden taxes, a ton of hidden taxes, and that's the stuff that you got to fight against. There's just a lot of them. Yeah. The young people listening right now, whenever you get that first paycheck in and you realize that it doesn't all completely go to you, that's when you start to, hopefully, if you're an inquisitive mind, you should be asking yourself where all of these, where all of that money is going that you earned. And there's a reason why people move to states like Texas and Florida. Go to ATF.org. Exactly. American Tax Foundation. Read a little Grover Norquist. Yeah. You'll learn a lot. Just telling you, you'll learn a lot. And don't let anybody say, well, you got to pay your fair share when they're asking you for another penny. Yeah, a penny on every dollar <laughs> that, that you you're make. making. And always remember, when you want to get the $2 trillion in the government's you know, this is how much money we're going to spend of all the money we've taken in all year long. Remember, you always start with the number one. Yeah. That's the thing to keep in mind. It all adds up. Here's the news. Tim Lim, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. So I'm talking to Chef Anthony, who is in. Chef Anthony and Chef Paul are here right now. We're going to talk with the, with the chefs for a while today. I'm talking to him about I got stuck in uh, New York City over in Queens. Uh, you don't want to be in Queens at noon, much less at <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. No, you don't. Which we were, and there was. <laughs> well, I was trying to get to Chinatown. All right, because China's noble pursuit. I'm just telling you, China. The Chinatown in New York City is wonderful. Which one do you like? Do you like the? Uh, do you go to the Wohop? Or I went to the. It was this real big one, and it's one where you sit around the round table, and they sit you on the floor. It's pretty much Wohop. It was really good. I Excellent. really enjoyed it. And uh, I still have some friends that went with us on that, and they said that's the best calamari they have ever eaten. And I said, well, makes sense. You know, these are probably folks that are from China. You oh, know? yeah. I, you know, you, you probably had some of the best food you can get is in New York. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it was good. Wherever you go. You know, and somebody says, well, what about Little Italy? I said, you don't have to go to Little Italy on every corner. There's something Italian in New sure. York. Sure. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It's just the truth. 
Just the truth of it. Isn't that true, Mr. Italian Valenotti? It is. The Italian-American thing <laughs> it is, is. is a huge thing in New York. It's amazing how many Italian-American restaurants there actually are. Oh, it was, it, was the, uh, landing, it was the landing port for Italian of immigrants. Of course. Absolutely. I got to tell you, because I grew up outside of Chicago. I grew, grew up in northwest Indiana in uh, Hammond, right outside of East Chicago, which is just like a suburb. It's like being in Jersey, okay? It's kind of the same way. <laughs> like being in Jersey. <laughs> Nothing's quite like being in Jersey. Well, yeah, that's true, too. But, you know, but, but the bottom line is it's, it's, it's the New Jersey of Chicago, okay? And so uh, I don't like deep dish pizza. I like New Nobody York. <laughs> I like deep, you know, I like thin pizza. We're talking about two boys from New York here. We, yeah, we I like, like our New York pizza. If you want to have like, cake, you can have cake, but I don't understand why thank you would you want to call it pizza. It just doesn't, I, I just don't understand. I like you guys. I like it. I, I like to good. fold it, get the grease running down grease my uh, I'm loving it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I that's what he does. That's what he does in Hot Springs right now. It's the best pizza going. Okay, and where is that? That's at the Lucas uh, Pizza in uh, Hot Springs, right uh, Park Avenue right now, and uh-huh. uh, it's just a, a crazy idea that I had uh, a lot of years ago that somehow it, I, I wound up here. I, I mean, if I told you the story, you probably wouldn't even believe me. But it's uh, it was a serendipity that led me to Arkansas after my both parents had passed away. And somehow I wound up here. And I'm, I'm grateful, uh, forever grateful to, to be here in Arkansas now. Okay. Now, do you use shredded uh, mozzarella or do you put I the shred big... it myself. Okay. Know. So you don't <laughs> just put the big pizzas on. I've never understood no. the big glops of... No. Mozzarella, uh, mozzarella on it. Only on maybe the fresh mozzarella. Okay. The fresh mousse, maybe, but not, maybe the, the, fresh not the aged. Not the, and, the, you know, you use when you use good cheese, it makes a huge difference. It and does. Tony's buying some of the best cheese you can get. Well, I use Kraft. That's really good. I mean, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, so I, I, I just buy the best things, right, and throw it on yeah. top. I mean, That's right. Exactly. And just fake it, right? I mean, just, hey, you know what? Fake it for five years now. Yeah, five years of faking. <laughs> Don't, sure. you, don't you like that commercial that's on television about pizza? And that one guy, I like a hummus pizza, and the guy looks at whom, what? <laughs> I'd say the same thing to that. Exactly. You know, I don't want a Greek pizza. No, there was, exactly. Pizza is pizza. And if you decide that you want to put things on it like hummus, that doesn't become pizza to me. I'm just, <laughs> I maybe agree. I'm a little old school, maybe a little fashion. I don't know. But uh, no, it's pizzas, tomato sauce, cheese, and, and basil, I think. Yeah, and good stuff. Yeah. I'm loving this. I'm loving it's it. Yeah, and good, and good tomatoes. In 10 minutes. Uh, absolutely not. Probably not. No, there's usually – well, the, the problem with that is if you come at the right time, yes. But there's usually kind of a line. I only make 75 pizzas a day, and then I, that's it. And people look at me oh. like I'm a little – yeah, again, the issues, okay? I have a lot of now issues. That's okay. But, but we really feel like we started with 40. You know, when it first opened, I opened a six-table restaurant in the middle of Hot Springs, Arkansas, that I didn't know anybody, right? And I didn't really think it was going to work. I was just coming – I had lived in Las Vegas, and I lived in California – and I lived in Miami, and I lived in all these places, and I really wanted to open the place up in California. It just didn't work out. So serendipity led me here uh, through an old friend who basically said, if it wasn't for my ex-wife, I'd live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, because she had lived there. Right. And I had gotten on a plane the next day because I had to get out of Vegas because Steve Wynn literally had all my money. He had it hostage. <laughs> and he was oh, not okay. giving it back. I got okay. your story now. He was okay. not giving it back. <laughs> I'm like, could you just give me my money back? They're like, No. I'm like, come on, man, just give me my money back, all right? But then uh, I got on a plane, and I came down, and I saw it one day, and I fell in love with Hot Springs, and that's what led me here. And so I never really thought the idea would work. I'm not trained to do this. I'm not – Chef Paul's the guy that has all the skills and all the technique. I, I just tried something that I never tried before. I was a Wall Street guy my whole life. I didn't know anything else. But 
the stupid things you do uh, when you. But grieve. you're from New York, and in New York, everybody knows how to make good pizza. You know what? I don't know about that anymore. But I think it's somewhat true. But, but again, to to, re- to recreate that childhood memory that I had was the only thing that I saw because I lived in so many places that uh-huh. nobody could make it. I'm like, why is it? Why can't anybody do this? And obviously, I found that it was pretty hard to do, but it's it's worth it in the end. I think. Yeah, we both have memories of uh, of a place called Defaro. Oh God, which was some of the greatest pizza in in the country. It's always rated in the top one or two pizzas that you know they do those Food the Network world. things. Yeah, and, and not yeah. that I won't listen to the Food Network or anything, but they really do. Stop bashing the Food Network. I don't bash it. I don't bash it. <laughs> Stop bashing the Food Network. We're gonna get into that. Part. I'm gonna talk to Chef Paul I don't know about what the Food Network. Is here. I mean, I don't. We're gonna find out. I got issues like you do. <laughs> We're gonna talk about it. We're going to talk about it. But, the, yeah, that's the – pizza is one of my – it's like the number two thing that I eat in life. Mm-hmm. I eat tons of pizza. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you eat really good stuff on pizza, it's not bad for your body. No. It's actually pretty good for you if you have you know fresh tomatoes and fresh garlic and fresh yeah. onions. I mean, what's wrong with that? Okay, you throw a little cheese on it and some tomato sauce, but you can eat, you can eat McDonald's if you want. I mean, hey, I'm we're supposed to eat more tomatoes, aren't we? Yes, they are. We're supposed to eat more tomatoes, right? What did they tell you? And, uh, you know, garlic's really good for you. Garlic's good for arugula. I like arugula on my pizza. It's delicious. It's the Mediterranean diet, right? Right, Right. absolutely. And fresh mozzarella I like better than the regular mozzarella, you know, Mm. than aged for me. Yeah. And, you know, it has no salt flavor to it. You you spice it the way you – I just love it. And and honestly, when I didn't know, I I had left Hot Springs and – after I closed all the restaurants I had there, I we went to Stuttgart for a while. Then my father-in-law got ill. We moved to Fort Smith. And, you know, having a wife who's a chef who's probably a much better chef than me when it comes right down to certain things, she is. Uh, she was the executive chef at Washita Baptist University. And then she went to the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and was the chef there. And uh, so we moved back to Fort Smith, and we lost track of any, uh, you know— there's just towns that don't have good pizza. Yeah. I mean, you can get the basic run-of-the-mill pizza, and I can't eat. I don't eat Domino's. I don't eat those. Not that they're not a place for them, but I don't want that for my right. pizza. So when I moved back to Hot Springs, everybody kept saying, man, you got to go up to this guy. He's got this place on Park. I said, Park Avenue? Are you kidding me? He says, no, no, you got to go. you got to go up there. So I go up there one day, and I mean, I was like, there's some guy making stretching his own dough, making his own pizza, making his own sauce, using fresh basil, using fresh mozz, buying high end uh, meats and 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 toppings. I'm on. This just can't be true. I just can't. I, there's something going on. So I had to go in that kitchen. So I went in and I meet the crazy. The crazy guy here on my right. The crazy Italian. Huh? Oh, he, he, you know what? Everybody told me about him and they said, oh, listen, this guy's a great guy. You're going to love him. You're going to love him. I went back there and said, this guy's a nut. <laughs> I said, this guy is a nut. I mean, he, see, the funny thing is you walk in and part of the deal is coming in to see Tony. You know, you go in and you're with your wife and he grabs you and he's got flour in his hands and on the back of your shirt, you got handprints on the back. And then you walk out and you look at him for somewhere else. And then you walk out and your wife's got him on someplace else, like lower than the waist. He's got two hands on the bottom half. So I decided, oh, this guy's crazy. But the pizza is absolutely, it's hearth, it's, it's, it's in like a brick oven. So it's, it, you know, it's going to have some char to it, which is what we're, what we're used to. 
Yeah, we don't deal. get the conveyor belt pizza. I don't right. get the conveyor belt pizza thing. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, I and these pizzas are cooking at like 700 degrees. So, I mean, if he doesn't watch them and doesn't turn them properly, they're going to burn up. They're going to be horrible. But that's but the beauty of hot springs, though, because hot springs is this this very eclectic melting pot of like the land. Oh, of Mi- I always say it's the land of misfit toys, right? Yeah. You have the uh, water gun that shoots jelly. Remember that? Yes. You know, uh, oh yeah. I mean, that's and that's what hot springs is. And I think that by me going there, I, I was just another character that they hadn't seen in a minute, and they sort of accepted me. <laughs> character, I, yeah. You know, it was just a, it's an amazing place, hot springs, and and what it's become in the last six years. It's just an incredible yeah, big renaissance downtown. Renaissance going on downtown. Yeah, big it's renaissance incredible. downtown. The the buildings that are being sold and and, and the people that and are coming renovations in. Renovations are are out the you know, I mean we have a, you know a really nice uh, boutique restaurant right in the middle of downtown now. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Just had a new restaurant open. It's gorgeous. I, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going. A lot of Step building going on up. downtown. We just had five craft beer places open in the last year. And I've been. I've started going back to Hot Springs. I quit going for a while. Yeah, the place Why? was looking like a dump for a while. Okay, uh, did well, you feel that way? Did you really feel that? Yeah. Well, there was a time when you walked down the what was it, the Main Street Central. there, Central. Yeah, in Central, you walk into the stores, and the only thing they were selling was uh, what they t-shirts thought was and hot. trinkets. Yeah, t-shirts and flip flops. Well, you know, really, <laughs> I've I've been there twenty five years. Ninety three, we moved here. Wow. And I will tell you what. It goes through some cycles. But this uptick that we have right now, the bathhouses never were rented. I think they're all rented now. Yes. Um, the mayor and his wife are turning one into a bed a bed and breakfast. Cool. There's a bathhouse that has a, a craft beer brewery in it. There is uh, a, one in the last three or four or five years that got renovated into a, a real upscale spa. So a lot has happened downtown where for the first 15 years I was there, it was just, you know, like you say, you could walk down, it would be, you know, half the buildings for rent or mm-hmm. falling down or what's going on now. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a whole resurgence of little shops. Um, you know, that's what that's what Hot Spring, you know, it was uh, voted one of the top 10 main streets in the, in the country uh, a few years ago. Yep. And it really is. And it's I think right. Steve we Harrison. Got, I'm going to stop you just for a moment. I got to get in. Got to pay the bills. Got to pay the bills. I got to pay the bills. Got so, it. I love to pay the bills. Let me tell. <laughs> let me tell everybody. Wharton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. Uh, of course, they've been revitalizing their original spot on Twelfth Street. Opened that back in the mid eighties. Uh, it was a home uh, that it was uh, built in the late eighteen hundreds, and uh, they've now taken it with the demo and the addition and made it a state of the art facility amongst their other five facilities. They have latest technology. Latest for prosthetics and orthotics. Well, I don't know. People don't know that Gary Horton is like the uh, the grandfather of uh, pros- uh, prosthetics. Remember when everybody that had a prosthetic walked around with a stiff leg, and then when they sat down, they they throw a switch and it would let their their leg bend. Uh, and then along came Gary working with NASA, and he made an articulating knee so that you could walk with the prosthetic as though you were walking with your own leg. And he changed the whole face of prosthetics at that time. Well, Hortons has now moved along the way with these seven locations where they've got new 3D printers that are going in and a lot of other things that are happening with technology that they're literally going to be able to print your prosthetic in the very near future. So remember the six locations. 
Here they are with the new updated facility here in Little Rock on 12th. It's Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. And it's uh, Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics because what they do is provide you a lifetime of support. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, about four minutes until 4 o'clock, so we've got a little short segment here. And it, this has been fun for me because, you know, talking to these gentlemen, uh, both – sorry, I call you gentlemen. No, uh, is that it's, okay? it's a loose that, – no, that's, <laughs> I wouldn't – I definitely wouldn't refer. I, I, we miss Cat obviously because you stuck with us two fools, uh, and Cat should be here, and we hope that she uh, feels better and she'll is back be ready next week. I love that woman. Yeah, she's great. She's she has done more. She has done more for educating people about food in Arkansas than anybody. Anybody. I mean, seriously. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about anybody. it. Anybody. And it's fun having her on and, and talking about it. And I'm glad that she's become very successful as a writer about food you know she's we like to call them foodies you know and she's mm-hmm. out there writing about it got a couple of books out now got another book about pies that's going to be coming out and we were going to talk about pizza today oh, you really? know in in arkansas yeah and, and you know where to go to get the best pizza so i'll pick your all's minds about that today okay, okay. we know it's going to be you know tony's place is going to be one that yeah, you're going to you absolutely stop right there. Gotta yeah, go. let's just end it okay let's just put the conversation stop it right there no you don't know <laughs> okay so you got what you said 75 pies 75 a day pizzas a day i'm open four days a week um and that's it i'm too old for this so like I, if you don't yeah, order a pizza if you walk down and just say walk in and say oh, hey no. i'm here for pizza if <laughs> we'll say do you have a reservation and then and if they say no well did you order a pizza well no well, we're sold out tonight. Sorry. <laughs> the looks on people's face when we talk. Oh, them that. that's not good. Because that's not what a restaurant traditionally does, right? Restaurants really don't run out of food, but we do. And well, it's just that you make you it know. good and you make it fresh. It's 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 what you do. I only have so much room, and I can only make so much a day, and I can only sell so much a day, and I'm and I'm happy to sell that many amount. Right. Again, I started with twenty or twenty five when I started, and then became all right. How do you make twenty? How do you make the next twenty five as good as the first twenty five? See, it takes a minute. I mean, I've been doing this for five years, and I still listen, feel like I've no idea what Listen to what he's doing. saying. That most people making pizza don't think that way. No, no. I, I made twenty five. How do I make my next twenty five better than the twenty five I just made? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's good. something that we have lost in our in in the food service industry. I've been in it all my life, ever since I was eleven, and we have lost that. Uh, t- not everybody, but we eat out so much as a country now, as a citizens or our people of this country yeah. we eat out so much it isn't it is beyond uh good it's just i gotta fill my stomach oh i gotta i gotta eat oh it's lunchtime i gotta, I gotta go eat. eat and it doesn't run. matter if it's yeah Quick i gotta eat and run it doesn't matter if it's good listen i don't understand this 45 minute eat i mean even at dinner what is this the the the, the problem is we're we're caught up into this it's got to happen now it's got to happen now listen I, I'm growing up. I go to New York. I go to Boston. I go to the big cities. I didn't want to eat in an hour or less. You don't at nice restaurants. All right. Keep your thoughts. Got to take a break. Top of the hour. Time for the news. Find out what's going on in the world. We'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Chef Paul and Chef uh, Tony are here. You just saw my punching bag? Yeah, I just, I just saw it. it. If you want to punch him before you leave, go feel feel, feel right it. Right at home, man. That's what it's there for. <laughs> That's why it's there. We got to get one in big time. <laughs> we got to get one. Yeah, all right. So uh, these guys are both chefs 
Both of you down in Hot Springs, right? Both now? in Hot Springs. Okay, yep. but uh, which is you know kind of the epicenter of uh, Central Arkansas, and and good things happening down there as far as food goes. I've heard about a really good steakhouse that has opened up down in Hot Springs. I'm just trying to think where where uh, Kat told me about. It. it was around the corner somewhere. She, I'm going to have to find out. Go down there. You know my favorite place to go in at? Pancake House. We just talking about the pancake house. It's the greatest right place up ever. Today. It's the greatest place ever. I love that. Place. It, it's. I had breakfast there this week. I mean, I have breakfast there once a week at least. It's my. It's probably between that and McLeod's. Probably my two favorite places. McLeod's is just this legendary thing to me. And uh, you know, ninety-two years or ninety years of a family running a restaurant. I could. I mean, I want to throw myself out of a window every day that I do what I do now. Okay, I can't right. imagine doing it for ninety years with your family. Right. Okay, and still speaking to each other <laughs> at some point. Okay. <laughs> Not going to happen to my family, I can tell you that. Well, you know, here's the thing that's interesting. I try to explain to you about the Pancake House. When you go there, don't expect to be given a chair immediately because everybody else is thinking the same thing you're doing. That's right. They want good food. That's exactly right. So good it takes, takes a while. Time. It does. Good food yeah. takes time. There's no problem with that. One of my favorite places in Chicago is Contiki Ports. I don't know if it's still open now or not. What is it called? Contiki Ports. It used to be, um, oh, what's the third largest building in Chicago? That's where they're at. Can't hear yourself? Mm-mm. Well, we'll have to work on your headphones. We're hearing you. You were beating on the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> it sure I'm, is. I'm hearing myself. It's not myself. a tom-tom. It's not a drum. Yeah. Okay, yeah. stop it. <laughs> okay, there's, there's a little, there you go. Turn it up till you can hear yourself. Oh, now I can. Okay. okay now, were you, a, were you a big rock and roller when you were younger? Uh, me? Yeah. I I liked, listen, I grew up in the Northeast as a kid. Okay. So I'm a Bruce. Rock I, I like Bruce Springsteen. I like, you know, I like some of that Boston. I guess I did some rock and roll, yeah. yeah Jay Giles. All Jay Giles Band. Yeah. That's what you did. That's yeah. life. Aerosmith. That was your life as a kid. Aerosmith. Still so, my life. So you used to listen at loud volume, right? Oh, yeah. That's why you had to turn your headphones off. <laughs> I knew he was going there. I knew he was going there. <laughs> I was just trying to explain. I was watching uh, Aretha's funeral today, mm-hmm. and Shaka Khan was there singing at it. And uh, Shaka Khan is from Chicago. I grew up listening to Shaka Khan and, you know, tell me something good and all that sure. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she was she was up there singing. I'm just telling her about how great she's singing. So I'm turning the, the sound up on the TV as loud <laughs> as I can for people to listen to it on the radio. It was great. Oh, and my. Fantasia was there, and they're, they're doing some soul stuff. Oh, yeah. I grew up. At the epicenter of all that back in the in the sixties and seventies. I oh, grew yeah. up with Motown. I grew mm-hmm. up with Chess Records. I grew up with mm-hmm. you know what was coming Chuck out Berry, of Detroit. Right? Yeah. Mean, Chuck Berry was it uh, for me as a kid. When I first heard Chuck Berry, I was like, What was that? You know, when you hear Elvis and you I know, thought the same thing when I heard My Ding a Ling the first time. Oh, wasn't that great? <laughs> And, you know, you couldn't play it in front of your parents, all right? You know yeah. I mean? You, you can never play that record in front of your parents. No, and it was absolutely. so funny, cause, but you wanted to listen to it because it was like this wonderful, guilty pleasure. And uh, <laughs> he died last year, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he did. His passed away. He was a long I have a funny story. I was out. actually danced on stage with Chuck Berry one night in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about Las Vegas anymore, but I was on stage. I think we Chuck, need to be yeah, careful where we go here. Little Richard and Chuck Berry were playing a show at Caesar's Little Palace. Little Richard, now, there's somebody who knows how to perform. There's somebody who knows how to dress. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were performers, too. Yes, they were. Absolutely. They were performers. They had to do it on stage in front of people. Yeah. I mean, that's why you go back, when you go back farther, the farther you go back, the 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 
Tony Bennett's, the you Sinatra's. know Frank Sinatra's, and all those guys. They had to perform. They couldn't just be dead on stage. Nobody would come. You know, it's funny with Sinatra. My father would play Sinatra in the car all the time, right? You know, oh, yeah. obviously we're sure. from Brooklyn. We have a Cadillac. You know, funny how that happens, right? Hey, Sinatra yeah. played <laughs> everywhere. You know, and Sinatra's in the house, and he's everywhere. And as as a kid, I, I just couldn't listen to it. I was like, you know, just he would just torture us in the car. Like, we drive to Sour Togo for hours. I have to listen to Frank Sinatra, you know, like. And as I got older, I I don't know, I was sitting in a bar on, on Mulberry Street one day, and they had a jukebox, and Frank Sinatra came on. And I was like, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm, you starting, know, I'm you, starting to get it here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you finally hear it, that's and you right. go, okay. I think I. Well, he was. I, I told my father before he passed away. I said, honestly, you were right about everything, and uh, I was wrong about everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, oh, yeah. I tortured you and put gray hairs on your head your whole life, and yeah. uh, led you to an early grave. But yeah, that's kind of what we did. Oh, we all we all know that. Yeah, we yeah. all know our parents. Mark you know, they Twain was was exactly right when he said, "It was amazing to me at 16 years old how stupid my father was, but at 25 <laughs> he had gotten that much smarter." No doubt, <laughs> it's true. It's the truth. It's the truth. Absolutely, it really, really is the truth. So I trying to explain to a young person. Why you shouldn't like socialism? Right. Uh, I won't. I won't take you there. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I try to explain to them. You're going to find out in the next few years when you start working and things of that nature why you don't like socialism. Just just look at Venezuela. That should give you enough of, a, of an answer. Boom, Dave. Dave. Yes. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I promised her. I promised. Okay, I, I promised her. Promise cat. Yeah, we we promise cat. Not to talk politics, so I won't. But it just <laughs> the whole socialism thing drives me crazy. It really does. My father would be clearing, cleaning his M1 right now from World War II if he ever saw a socialist stand in the well of the Senate and said they were a socialist. I know that would be crazy. I, I mean, mean, seriously. Yeah, we don't. You know, we don't have. We don't. Why is capitalism bad? <laughs> I don't cap- know. I mean, I don't know. Why did capitalism we get such a bad name? Because they've all been taught corporatism and not capitalism. It's, right. There's a big difference. You're a big right. difference. Big difference. All right. So anyway, let me see. So what I, about Cicero? We talked about yeah. Cicero. Pizza. Someone maybe you know what they're talking about uh, here, Tony. They they sent me a text here, and it says, "Let me get to it here." Oh, I guess got a message. Cat says you're talking about Bones Chop House. That's the steakhouse. Bones, that's it. Well, she I opened that. Re- I opened that restaurant. Really? Um, I've heard that it is awesome. Yeah, I did the I did the consulting for that restaurant. As a matter of fact, I still do a little bit of it right now. Yes, you do. And uh, I wrote the menus and helped them set it up, bought the right stove, the right so grill. So I have not been there yet, but I'm going to go there. Yeah, this, it's the old Ruby year. Tuesdays. The, okay. old, well, the old Ruby Tuesdays. You can go there if you can't get a pizza at my place, okay? Okay, you know? <laughs> They got plenty of steak. I am promising you. I got to go to D.C. next week, but I'll be back the following week. I promise you that week I will be at your place to have a pizza. I'd love to have you. It would be an honor to have you as a guest. I would like to come over there. Okay, so Al's Pizzeria, uh, Chef Paul, is on Surmac Road. That's 22nd Street, by the way, in Cicero, Chicago. Okay, so Cicero's on 22nd Street? Yeah, on 22nd Street. Isn't that the cusp of of the... what Twenty Second Street? That's where the Nazis walked. I was going. Okay, I know. I was just going to say. I know. I know Cicero. I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's an Italian original Al's Italian restaurant. 
And that guy says the pizzas there is fantastic. That's well, what he's saying. I guess we're just going to have to find out. Yeah, well, I'll have to go to Chicago. I'll have to go to Chicago. We'll go up, have a pizza, and go see the Cubs. You don't have to twist my arm. <laughs> uh, you don't have to twist my you arm. Twist my arm to oh, no, no, baseball. Now, are you guys Yankee or Mets fans? Yankee. Oh, I'm a Yankee fan. Okay, Yankee there fans. You go. So I don't have to worry about downplaying the <laughs> No, Mets. you don't have to worry about Now, wait like, a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One of his best friends. Is Ron Darling. Ron Darling. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie and I met in a bar one night in, in California about, oh, God. He's I'm, doing great on ESPN. He's amazing. He's uh, he's just a really talented guy. And, uh, well, but he, can we talk, just, he can talk baseball. Yeah, oh, can. yeah. No yeah. doubt about well, you, it. You know, Intelligent when, guy. Kind of when you go to Yale, you, you, you probably can talk a little bit of baseball yeah. and stuff. And But he's in the, he's, his family, I just had his, uh, I was at his golf outing with his dad and his, you know, just this blue-collar family. And they're just the best people you've ever met in your life. And uh, yeah, that's the only reason I go. I was supposed to go to Chicago. The Mets had played, uh, I think, the Cubs last week, and I usually go join them there because I love to go to the. That's tavern. right. They did play uh, you know, three go, game series with. Cubs. I go drink at the tavern. I go drink at. The, yeah, I can't remember the other bar. I, we, there's a lot of great bars in Chicago. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of beautiful women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of good looking. Midwestern yeah. women. It's a great place. <coughs> great steakhouses, Gibsons, all those places that yeah. you you know you want to go to. You've been and, to the chop shop in Chicago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great place to eat. You know Gina what? Funny, I mean, yeah. funny story about Ron Darling. A good friend of mine, a fraternity brother of mine from college, is the debating guy against Ron Darling on ESPN, Danny O'Dowd. Danny O'Dowd Very used cool. to be the general manager vice president of baseball operations for the colorado rockets right. so he he's on there and they they debate back and forth on one of the major league baseball talk shows mlb whatever it's it's, it's really fun to watch okay them. so what uh fraternity i was a kai sai okay and so I, I was a teak you were a teak they were at a house right next to us were they as crazy as my house was? They were the most <laughs> subdued house on campus. We, I went to a real we little. Would have, we would have thrown them out. Yes, you would, <laughs> we, we, we. I went to a little school in Winter Park, Florida, called Rollins College. A real Not a, have, little, little small, uh, fourteen hundred student college. Very very nice. Very very lovely place to go to school. And the Teak fraternity was right to our south on the lake. And we were to the right, and we were crazy. They weren't. We were. That's bizarre. <laughs> you know, I went to UCLA. Did you not know that? Who did? No. I did. You did. You did. I went to, at the University of the Corner of Lexington Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> the Corner of Lexington Avenue. Of course you did. It's UCLA, uh, right? UCLA, UCLA, that's right. Okay, that is. That's exactly where that is. Okay. Should have known that. Should have known that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think the uh, Yankees that I played ball with in college. Uh, we both went to Moorhead State University back in 1971-72, and uh, he went on to play with the Yankees, uh, Bucky Dent. Of course. Hit the home run against of the Of course. Yeah. Famous Bucky Dent. Yeah, Bucky 1978. Dent. I can, I can, we, Iconic home run. We, we drove him crazy because, you know, he goes to New York, and he started wearing that fur coat that he wore all oh, the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A bunch of boys from... I, I came down and went to Kentucky so I could play baseball down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm writing to him. I go, Bucky, what the hell are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is that you're wearing? I think I'm Walt Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> now, Clyde or Joe Namath, yeah. either one. Clyde and Namath could get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, yeah, he wore, you remember that big old Oh, yeah, coat? absolutely. They were my team. Uh, they, they, win or lose, good or bad, they've always been my team. When they When they were horrible in the – what was it? Late late seventies or the early seventies? They were 
terrible. They were horrible. They were terrible at one time. When I was in college in the 70s, they were terrible. And I was like, I didn't care. I watched them yeah. anytime. Ronnie Bloomberg at first base. I mean, Gene Stru- Michaels. Gene and Michaels. Who? Thurman Munson. You know, yeah. Thurman uh, Munson. Hor- come on. That was my idol. I was a catcher. Yeah. That's what I was. One of the greatest catchers of all time. Oh, he was my idol. He was my yeah, idol. Bobby Mercer he, played for them. Bobby Mercer, Mercer played yeah. for him. Joe Pepitone. Remember yeah, Joe Pepitone? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember you know, him? I got to. I got to. Uh, in college, we played against the University <laughs> of South Carolina, and Bobby Richardson was their coach. Yeah, Bobby Richardson. I mean, he was a very, very lovely man. Uh, I had well, his Bobby baseball Richardson. card for 1963. Signed it for me. He's a big time Christian guy. Very big time Christian yeah, guy. Big time. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you my favorite Yankee story. Okay, we'd happened, love to hear it. Happened in Comiskey Park in Chicago. All right, come back and talk about that. Let me remind you about Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing is where I go and get my. Uh, plumbing uh, work done by Arrow Plumbing. I mean, 100% satisfaction guarantee can't beat that. If you're not 100% satisfied with their service that they've done, they'll give you your money back, all of it, refund it completely. If your plumber smokes in your home, give you your money back. If he swears in your home, give you your money back. Doesn't wear his shoe covers, you get his, mo- you get your money back. And if you find out he's not drug tested, same thing. You don't pay for the service at all. And if a repair fails, in their first year, they repair it, and there's no charge to you. That's aeroplumbing.net, or on Google, just go to aeroplumbing. You find all your contact information there. All right, back with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, get, I get some backlash. That's okay. Do I get a little backlash there? <laughs> Russ, do I get backlash here on this show? Not yet. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Yeah. Not today. Right, We're I talking food. I, I promise. We're talking food. And today. baseball. Okay. And baseball. That's absolutely. My, that's besides politics. That's my favorite subject. Baseball. I love baseball. I've been a Chicago Cubs fan. First game I went to three years old. So I've been a Cubs wow. fan for sixty-two years. How elated were you when they finally won? I, mean, I cried in my living room. You had to. Oh, you had to. I'm just saying. I absolutely. cried. Look, I lived through '69. Oh. Mm. Okay, now you know '69, all right? And that's when the Mets pulled off the miracle the year, black you know. Cat. Yeah, the whole oh, thing. yeah, the Black Cat, Tom Seaver, and, and, and I'm still not a Joe Torre fan. So I just, <laughs> I just got to tell you, all right? I, my my hatred goes back many years on some of this stuff. Absolutely. But, but, but the bottom line is, is that um, I was at Comiskey Park. The only time my father and I went to Comiskey because we hated the Sox. Uh, we would go when Al Kaline and the Troy Tigers came in. I have all the respect in the world for Al Kaline. Met him one time when I was covering the Sox in, in news. And you're not supposed to ask for uh, autographs on on press row. And I saw him coming down with Jim Northrup, of all things. Mm-hmm. And I see both of these guys walking, and I'm thinking about Northrup at the batter's box. Sure. Mm-hmm. That, that bat way oh, up in the air. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he comes up. This is a man that was paid $100,000, first ball player ever given $100,000 to play baseball. They came back the next year, offered him one hundred and ten. He said, I don't need more money. I play this game for the fun of it. That's right. And I'm like, God, can you imagine hearing that today? Oh, please. No. Now you hear, i got to take care of my family. Yeah. How many million do you need to take care of your family? <laughs> I, I agree. How many kids do you have? So anyway, I got, I got his autograph at that time. Oh, and, that's and great. And that was really great. But I, we were at the ballpark. This is back when I'm like uh, 11 years old. I was A-League in, in Little League. I've got a Yankees uniform on because we went to see the Yankees, of course. So I wore my Little League uniform. And this guy, and this is before you, you didn't worry about, you know, every guy that oh, approached yeah. you was a pedophile or something. 
And this guy comes up to me and says, he goes, hey, son, you're a Yankee fan. And I go, yes, sir. You know, and he says, uh, well, how would you like to meet some of them? And I looked at him. I said, well, yeah. He took me down to the bullpen before the game. Wow. My father sitting in the stands <laughs> looks over at the bullpen, and there's his son Dave playing catch with Yogi Berra. Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, I, I will never, ever forget that. <laughs> that. Got to talk to Whitey Ford. Got to talk oh. to Mickey Mantle. And they weren't drunk. Do you ever remember amazing. George that, Mitterwald? That's almost impossible. Okay, I mean, that's almost impossible. Did, did Mitterwald play for the Cubs? Oh, the hell, I don't or even know. Or was he know. a White Sox? He, he may have been a White Sox. I don't remember that name. Yogi was, Yogi was, in, I got to know Yogi through Ronnie, and Yogi was just the greatest guy ever. He really was. It was just something. Nobody just, goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Uh, you know, <laughs> listen. I that's I, my favorite saying that he yeah, ever said. Nobody goes well, you know, he had all those. I mean, I I was the, he was uh, like that in real uh, life, though. I mean, that's that's really how he was. That's what he was. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't an actor. Or I was I mean, um, in college, and in Orlando, we got to play the Twins every year. Oh, cool! In a, in a game. Uh, I mean, um, it was a preseason game, but it was. They were. They didn't want to get beat. Serious. They didn't want to get beat by a bunch of college. Is that the Rod sure. Carew days? Or? The Rod Carew day oh, was crazy. Sure. I got to Boog meet him. Got to, Boog Powell. We got to. Okay. Uh, Reggie Jackson. I mean, oh, yeah. Came by. Early. And, all right. Well, I got to catch all the major league pitchers early season before they this, this time started. I mean, Tug McGraw. I mean, Burt Blylevin. I go. mean, uh, some guys stuff. that threw. Bob and Ken Forsh. I mean, they they brought it ninety five easy back then. Sure, and so n- not not one of them compared to Jim Bouton. Jim Bouton played for the Yankees. Yes, and I know who you're talking. He about. made a comeback with the Atlanta Braves, and he learned how to throw a knuckleball. Yeah. Well, he came to college, our college, and worked out with us, and he was the he was in unbelievable shape for this fifty some year old guy. And our coach kept saying, now you guys got to stay away from him because he's, he's, a <laughs> he's crazy, crazy. He's crazy, right? He's Jimmy Pearsall. <laughs> well, he, he was. And he had these stories of Yogi and Whitey and Mickey and all those stories that he wrote in the Ball Four and Ball, ball Five. Ball Four, yep. And he would stand there and he'd say, come on, guys, we're going out. And coach would look at us and says, Paul – you will run till you can't walk <laughs> tomorrow if you do go out with him. So he would tell the stories like you'd say Yogi. He'd say that him, Yogi, and Whitey Ford were on the, I don't know, one of the parkways going to Yankee Stadium. And Whitey Ford looks out the right window and says, well, there's the stadium. And Yogi's in the back of, I don't think we can get there from here. <laughs> George Eugene Mitterwald played catcher for the Twins and the Cubs primarily, known as the Baron, played in 66 and 68 through 77. That's just before Randy Huntley. That's right. For the Cubs. Well, I got to catch, and I played catch with George Mitterwald every year. Thanks, that. All right. We'll come back. We got news. We'll be back in a moment. I promise that we will talk about food in a moment again. (laughs) Uh, we got we've gotten into baseball, and and Russ, I tell you, if you get me on baseball or wrestling, you get me on wrestling, I can talk wrestling too. You mean WWE wrestling? That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling we you, we were right talking now. that the other day. We were talking about what was the best finishing move. You know, we said I was talking about the chicken wing. The chicken wing. Oh my <laughs> good gracious! Everybody's going, "You're nuts, man! What's wrong with you?" I love talking. 
That's why this show's been around for 20 years. I can understand. We don't talk just about politics, man. We talk about baseball. We talk. You know, let's ask Tony. You into wrestling? <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> WWE. Yes, you are. Yeah, I, oh, my sister and I went to the, the first, uh, uh, what is, what's it called? At the Madison Square Garden with Mr. T and uh, Hulk Hogan. WrestleMania. 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 Is, is that not the best promoter probably ever? Vince oh. McMahon. Oh, Vince oh. McMahon is fantastic. Just unbelievable promoter. Great, greatest wrestler for me, Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Oh, uh, my. Kind of like Bruno Sammartino myself. Yeah, we're going back. We're going back. That was Sunday morning. You know, it was it happening was, Costello on television, and there was wrestling. And then there was some... And the three Rinton students. Tin on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> we're really starting to carbon date Rinton ourselves. Rinton right. on Saturday mornings. You just carbon Hop along, Cassidy. <laughs> Roy Rogers. Roy Rogers. Now, we can talk here now. We all understand this. If you're listening to the show you don't understand, you need to get some history in here. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just my. Saying. That's yeah. funny. All right. So, Yankee fans, Cub yeah. fan. Lots of history in those two franchises. What is what is going now? I know you're Yankee fans, but what's going on with the Boston Red Sox? This Just an year? unbelievable oh team. An un, listen, baseball, basketball, they're team sports. People forget you can have all the LeBrons you want. Yeah, you can have all the Kobe Bryant you want. But if you're not a team, you're not going to win. Baseball is even beyond that. One guy can't do it both no, sides. Absolutely, you not. have to have the pitcher be good. You have to have the feeling be good. Listen, the hardest sport to do is hitting a 95-hour fastball, two and a half inches on a four-inch diameter bat. Hardest thing to do. <clears throat> so those guys that you know hit home runs, it's you know they say, oh, they can just do it. At, no, they can't just do it. <laughs> I mean, there's so there's much a time. Bit of hard work on that. You know, and here's something that no one ever thinks about: How fast does your brain have to calculate? To be able to do that and do that. It's a blink of the eye. It, it is beyond comprehension how our bodies work like yeah. that. Because the ball's coming in less than a second. You pick up the, 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 you spin, know, the spin of the ball and everything. And you got and then you got to have that eye-hand coordination to move the bat fast enough to get in that spot to hit the ball well. Get your hips out in front. Be able to move the weight That's of your right. body in the correct direction, man. It's that easy. Well, listen, no, I I got not. to catch again. I got to play against Rod Crew, one of the best hitters ever, and a great. He used to come work out with us, and he'd always come to camp, and he'd have this little belly, a little belly on him. I'm going, <laughs> Rod. He goes, and in two weeks it'd be gone. He'd be flat, and yeah. he never picked his legs up when he ran. He never like you know how you pump your knees. Yeah. He like glided. It, it like they just shuffled, <laughs> but he was fast, and he bent funny. He he funny. He just had funny gait to him. Well, we play in the Twins in that exhibition game, and he pops up to left field. And our left fielder was a freshman. He catches the fly ball. He's dancing. I got Rod Carew's fly ball. And our coach is like, oh, please just throw the ball back in. You're embarrassing you us. He comes at the bat the next time I, I'm catching. I said, Rod, I said, popping up to left field, bub. He, <laughs> man, he didn't say a word. He slapped the bat down. Uh-oh. And we're in Tinker Field in Orlando, Florida, right behind right field is the Citrus Bowl, where they play the Citrus Bowl. Okay. And it's about 70 feet high to get it over into the stands. <laughs> Uh-oh. And all of a sudden, I don't see this. I don't see the, the – we had a 
guy that threw great sliders. He threw about 90 mile an hour slider. He throws the slider. It's kissing the worms all the way down. It's the best slider. I turn, I don't see the ball. I, all I hear is, whoosh, and I hear this loud crack. And I look up. I'm looking for the ball. I said, I know he hit it hard. I don't know where it is. I'm looking, and I see the right fielder turn. He didn't even take a step. He just turns and looks up. And I saw it, and it went into the citrus bowl. Oh, man. And here comes that gliding guy. He glides around the bases, and he comes around home. He rocks about five feet past home and, and then back shuffles like Michael Jackson. <laughs> and he comes up to me and goes, you know, Paul, I, I, I can hit with power if I have to. <laughs> Just don't make me mad. That's good. Yeah, it was a great time. I had a, I had a good buddy by the name of Dan Gamaleri. I told you about the yes. Gamaleri. He was a great ball player. He blew out his knee. He never made his chance to, to go to the majors because I think that he probably would have. And uh, he went to one of those dream camps for the Cubs and uh, uh, was Hundley's camp. And they played the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and Gibby was pitching. Okay? So he goes up and gets himself all set, and Gibson throws a fastball, and Dan is waiting for it and just sits on it and just and blows this ball right past Gibson's ear. I mean, just a line <laughs> shot in the center field. Got, got the center. Now, he told me the story, so there might be some <laughs> embellishment here. But went right back by, <laughs> went back by his ear. Gets the first base, he says, looks over at Gibson, and he's brushing off his, his jersey. And he looks over at Gibson, and Gibson is just staring at him. Because he kind of showed him up a little bit, little right, bit. when he came out of out of the batter's box. Where did he hit him with the next he pitch? He came out the <laughs> second time, and he had to pick himself off the ground. He said he could hear the seams from the moment it left his hand coming into home plate. <laughs> right under the chin. Oh. Chin, chin music. Little chin you know? music. Yeah, we we had that happen. We were we were playing in that another exhibition game against the Twins and Blylevin's on the mound. Uh, arguably the best, you know, he could bend his hand to throw a, a curveball and his fingers would touch his wrist. That's Good how flexible God. he was. So this thing would look and you could see it. It would it would literally like fall off a table. Uh-huh. 55 feet and then whoop, fall off the right. table. Well, our second baseman Russ Riccadelli hits a home run. And Tinkerfield <laughs> off him runs around third Uh-oh. base as he rounds third base. Like not not a good thing to say. He looks at Bert Blylevin and he says, "Thanks a lot, Bert." Oh no! <laughs> our next guy up was our best player, Whack. John Castino. Was our next player. He was he was an All American. He went on to be Rookie of the Year yeah. with the Minnesota Twins. Coach Coffee walks up and says, "Johnny, I want you to stand in that batter's box." on eggshells because I don't think you're going to see a pitch unless it's coming at your side, (laughs) at your head, and it did. And Gene Mock was the manager for the Minnesota Twins, and he looks over at the first pitch that went sailing right over his head. And these guys have better control than anybody realizes. Absolutely, He threw three of them right at him. And then coach said, "That's enough. We're not. We're, we, we can end this game now." There's scouts, and the, I mean, it was it got it got ugly fast. We ended up losing six to five, but we were up at five five to three at one time, and man, that wasn't good. No, that was not good. <laughs> I bet you they weren't happy. They weren't happy. Not they a bunch of eighteen, happy. nineteen. Year olds going to beat them up. <laughs> Last thing, let's and talk about this, and that is that one of the big changes of the game is because so much money is spent on these players. They've made it where you can't play like you used to, which is if you were a pitcher, you'd throw inside and mm-hmm. knock people down. That's right. And, uh, what was it the other day? The kid. Or you pitch nine innings. Yeah, and you. Or you pitch eight innings. When they handed you the ball, it was your ball game, and you were expected to go nine innings. Well, they didn't have 
closers then. Well, we didn't have middle relief. Yeah. We didn't have a guy sitting on the bench calling all the play, all the pitches. What is that? Yeah, I, I still don't understand that. Well, yeah, that's all. It's all. It's all that. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, Moneyball stuff. No, that. Yeah. Uh, what do they call the metrics? metrics. It's all the it's metrics. All metrics. They know yeah. exactly what the guy can hit. What yeah, he can't hit. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember uh, we would throw inside and, oh, and yeah. whatnot. You can't do that anymore. Did you see the kid from Miami that hit that uh, that? kid that looks like he's going to be rookie of the year mm-hmm. for atlanta mm-hmm. yep he got up there he had hit three home runs leading Guy off just... three games, hit him right in the side man yeah he says i'll, I'll just break a rib i won't hurt you anyplace yeah. else i'll hit you, hit you mm. where it won't hurt you forever but that's the way the game was always played though. yeah listen you you should know that in a, being a cubs fan bob gibson was the meanest pitcher in the world he, he is chin music all the time it was yeah. part of his game his his intimidation he was so good you remember he was he pitched like 1.75 ERA back in 67. From a taller mound, too. That's six inches taller. He was the reason they lowered the mound. Sure. That's exactly why they lowered One the mound. One pitcher. One guy. Because he was so great. Yeah, he was great. Great, yeah. great. Yeah, you're right. The money has made a big difference now. And, you know, listen, there's the middle relief. There's the closers. Listen, how many pitches does uh, a closer have to throw now? Eight, ten? And then he gets paid. It's kind of like the kickers in football. Yeah. You know, they get four chances in a game. They but miss when three. You they're walk out. In, you better be able to do what you're being paid to do because they That's pay right. you well to do it. Pay you real well. Drysdale couldn't play today. No, Drysdale. Sandy Koufax would have been great to, this time. Yeah, in baseball. This yeah, he, Hendricks reminds him of, of the Cubs. Reminds me of Koufax. Yes. You know. Yep. Koufax was playing. Uh, used to be Dodgers had their AAA club in San Antonio. I was in San Antonio when I was in the Air Force. Would go out and watch uh, the Dodgers play, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I happen to be sitting up there with my two boys, and there's all these players down there, and kids are getting their autographs and stuff. And I look up at the at the dugout, and I look at the end of the dugout. It's outside the dugout, sitting in a lawn chair. There's this old man sitting there. I go, sons, come with me. And walk around. I go, hey, Mr. Koufax. Oh, wow. Can I get your autograph? Wow. And a big smile. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. Doesn't say yeah, much, no. but he's a nice well, man. Well, he got out. You know, he's like the, he's like the Jim Browns and – they get out. Night. He got out. So yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm not playing I'm, anymore. And he didn't play anymore. No, he didn't. But my favorite story about Drysdale, he'd hit people. Mm-hmm. And as they're running first base, he said, come back tomorrow and I'll sign the bruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a different game. Thank you if you did that now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You would I not mean, play. You wouldn't be no, playing, you no. You would not be able no. to play. No. Couldn't do it. All right. Let's go back to food. We got to get the food. Everybody wants. Well, you know, to come food on. in a ballpark. Told... You know that. Yeah, let's you, you talk can't, about the you change can't even, of that. You can't even afford to go to a ballpark like you used to be able. To. What's it cost for a hamburger now? Hot dog, five bucks, six bucks, eight bucks, uh, more than ten bucks. Yeah, now? It's a lot. It's crazy. I mean, it's probably twelve, twelve dollars yeah. for a yeah. beer. Yeah. Uh, how do you bring your family? Is right. You don't I mean, it's anymore. become. It's it's, well, it's such like going a to shame. a movie. I mean, you go to movie popcorn's like ten bucks. I was when I was living in L.A. I was a Laker season ticket holder there for a few years, and. It was ridiculous between the parking and just just well maybe for me to drink it was ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> maybe it cost a little bit more. Maybe the average family didn't spend as much money on beer as I did. Okay, right. but, uh, well, I you know. I went to an Orlando Magic game. They were playing the Detroit Pistons, two bottom of the league guys, both mm-hmm. losing records, and I had floor seats only because my best friend in college writes the insurance for all the players. I look at the ticket. And it's nine hundred dollars for a seat to sit on the floor. Face value. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, and he goes, "Well, that's cheap." He says, "When if like 
L.A. comes or the you know New York Knicks come or Boston Celtics, it's twenty five hundred dollars to sit in these seats. Well, that night we were sitting about ten seats from from Shaq because he was getting in, inducted into the Orlando Hall of Fame, which was a lot of fun. But you, are you kidding me? No. Hey, I, Russ, what was it? You went to see the the Cardinals a few weeks ago. Yeah, I went and saw the Cards and the Cubs. I was sitting down third baseline, past third base. Uh, mind you, I was sitting in the uh, in in club seats. Uh, club seats. Uh, I'm not saying I could go down into the clubhouse to okay. uh, for the uh, for drinks and food and all of that, which kept me from standing in line with all the rest of the uh, general cattle. And uh, the seats, I want to say, were I can't remember. I think it was 150 a seat. Wow. For baseball game. For a baseball, baseball game. For a baseball game. That's why I, I can always remember watching those games on WPIX 11, the Yankee games, and they would always have that bleachers out there with free for the kids. It was a kid's night or, yeah. or the you know whatever charity they were helping out. I, th- that, I watched the video somebody put on Facebook the other day playing the Yankees. He took his son, and he, and he had a ball. And uh, Judge is in right field. I guess he plays right field. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, hey, Aaron. And Aaron turns around and he throws in the ball and Aaron plays catch with him. What a great, wow. great thing That's to have for, cool. out of the stands. That's just so cool. It's wonderful. Yeah, it That's what on, baseball was, was like all about. Nine rows back from the field where I was sitting. Nine Cushion rows back. seats. Uh, it, it, you know, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the greatest seat in the house. I usually get the greatest seat in the house. Um, I, I claim that when I when I go to the Travelers games because I do the public address for Dickie Stevens. Right, and what a great so stadium that is! Place. A great small place. town. What a great place to watch a game. Looking down on the plate the whole time, so I get I get pretty decent seats when I go out there. But this, you know, hey, I was happy to go and sit. <laughs> And not have to work at the game and sure. enjoy a ball sure. game. Sure, absolutely. And lo and behold, I sat down, and what happened? The bases were loaded, and player gets up to the plate, swings, and knocks it out for a grand slam. The first one I've seen all season long. Uh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's a great facility, though. That that's uh, St. Louis is that that whole ballpark. Yeah, Bush uh, is, Stadium. It's just amazing how they. It's, it's almost like Wrigley Field as well, where you, there's so much going on, and around you're it. so close. And you can to the walk. Ballfield. You can walk everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. you're yeah. not really walking to Yankee Stadium, where you're not walking to City Field, or you know, any or forget about uh, Dodger Stadium, which is in the middle of hell. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's in the yeah. middle of hell at some point. Well, you know, you just look at the Rangers, Texas Rangers. That's a nice, small, compact. Think about. Fenway Park. Yeah, but the Dallas Cowboy plays. They, they play next door to them. So they do play next door. Yeah, and we can't even. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. The, the Giants are playing. <laughs> Have the you Giants. Been to, are, have you been to Jerry World? I, honestly, Jerry World is the greatest arena in in the civilized, the civilized world. <laughs> they got the biggest TV I, I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I hate to admit it, because obviously it's Jerry Jones and it's the Dallas Cowboys, and I've gotten to be uh, the last few years get to know the woman who runs the uh, the cheerleaders. Okay. She comes down for the parade every year, and she's. Just the most wonderful person you ever we're, met. We're talking about the 98-foot St. Patrick's Day Parade yes, in Hot Springs. The smallest. Oh, by the way, how do you make the Italian the, the, the king of the St. Patrick's Day Parade? The, the, That's but, Tony, you know. He's made, the king of the St. Patrick's the, Day Parade. No, right. Steve Harrison, obviously, <laughs> catches sleeping with dogs in Hot Springs. Okay, at some point. Okay. <laughs> Don't say it too City's loud. upside down. Okay, the city's completely upside down, but that that is one of the great days ever. It really is. Hot Springs really 
there's nothing like St. Patrick's Day Parade. All right, let's get one more break in. We'll come back. We'll have another segment, and then we got one more hour. This has been fun, guys. Yeah, you can, you came you so and thank you. Us. You thought you were going to talk food. We have talked more baseball than we talk food, that's for sure. We'll you, take a break. We'll come back. we got more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Name just came to my mind. Turkovich. Turkovich. <laughs> See, you always notice I have it when I talk about People with vitches or or ists or whatever on the end. I've never had any problem pronouncing those names. I grew up with those guys. Oh right? yeah. But Turkovich was the best jump shot I've ever seen in in, in basketball. He went and played with uh, uh, Wooden out there at UCLA. In UCLA and won four national championships. Mm-mm-mm. with him. Un- un- Unbelievable ball player. Really was. I was talking about East Chicago, Washington. Any of you that are from the region, you know who I'm talking about. Is the greatest high school basketball team in indiana history three seasons undefeated never lost or never never beat anybody by less than 30 points they were just unbelievable but i was talking about stoddard stoddard played for that team too and went on to play with minnesota so i was just talking to paul about that i thought it was interesting but that kid could throw like you say, six six. Oh yeah, he We're was talking nineteen seventy one. He was a house. Nobody was that big in nineteen seventy one, no, especially was, in college. Well, you know, he in was high a, school. He was not just tall; he was big. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. he'd scare people. I mean, you go up there and he's throwing, you know, he's throwing low nineties in high school, and and most kids don't ever see a ball that fast. And it <laughs> first ball would come in, and you'd get real light on your feet in the, in the batter's <laughs> box at that point. You know? No, absolutely. Yeah. But my buddy Dan Gamaleri got three out of four from him in the, in the, the sectionals. And uh, they became really good friends because Gamaleri is such a good hitter. Was wow. a, he was a really great hitter. He really was. Who was, who was the Yankees pitcher? Uh, last name I think starts with a G. Uh, could throw a really – it was a great fastball pitcher. Um, maybe 80s, in the 80s. Is that, is Yankee, it, Ron Guidry? Guidry. Ron Guidry. All right. Ron yeah. Guidry. Great story about Gamaleri. I told you he's a great hitter. We're sitting way up in the nosebleed center, Comiskey, and he says, I think I could hit him. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. He says, come on, let's see if we can get down past the Andy Frayne ushers, you know, and, and, and get close. Well, we were. it was like 42 degrees. During, so we get down there, and the, the lady let us down because nobody was there. He sits down and, and Gidry's warming up, right? And he's throwing. I I bet she's throwing high eighties, low nineties. And uh, Dan says I could hit him. I definitely could hit him. The inning starts. Gidry rears back and lets it go. You could hear the the seams. You could hear it coming in. And not only does it come in, it, it's one of those fastballs like Bob Feller. It gets about. A third of the way from home plate, it looks like it explodes on you. It hops. In, you know? They call that a hop. And Dan looked at me. He goes, I don't know about that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rethink that. Uh, I mean, that was. Warm up throw is the throw, real deal. Buddy. That was Louisiana Lightning. That, that was his nickname. Oh, yeah. He, was, he uh, did throw, man. Yeah. Some of those guys had just such good hop on the ball. You just don't. I mean, it, it does. It just kind of rides in four seamers. Okay. So, last question about baseball. Okay. So, is the baseball doctor now is it is it wrapped tighter or something is that why we're seeing so many people hit them so far out of the ballpark although if they don't hit it out of the ballpark they strike out now seems to be the case isn't it paul what do you think i don't think so you know what i think it is but you have mediocre steroids? pitching sometimes 
I think we do have some watered down pitching, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling it's more on the workout, what the guys do now, nah, the science of the hitting now, and I I can remember when I played in the college and so forth and watched some of the gimmicks that they did to make you catch the ball quicker, to see the ball, yeah. the spin. I mean, listen, when you see guys hit a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, come on, that is on you. Yeah. I mean, these guys are so strong now. If you even go back to the 70s when the Big Red Machine was starting to do Nautilus, mm-hmm. they didn't do that before then. I mean, the Mickey Manlayers, those were pure athletes, and they yeah. didn't they didn't pump weights like this like they do now. They might have gotten the weight room, yeah. but these guys are, have to— Exactly. Yeah. They were their their elbows were strong. But, you know, back then, George Foster was one of the first people to hit 50 home runs back. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that, Monster. that was— that was an exceptional year. Dave Kingman, you know, guys like that. Yeah. that were Frank Kingman, six, Howard. Six. Yeah. He was Frank, a Frank Howard, Howard. Mon- monster. <laughs> monster. He All was right. a monster. Got to take a break. We'll be back. Got a final hour. We will talk food. That's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hold on. Hold on. Tom Brooklyn Dodgers talking. We're on the air. And talking uh, uh, Tigers. Who was the who was your play-by-play guy for years? Small guy. For the Tigers. Yeah. Small guy. Called, I mean, I'm talking 2022. 20, oh, years. I don't even have any number. I can't remember. Okay. I was a Tiger fan. I got Denny McLean and all the boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, what was it? Uh, who, who was uh, Bill Freeman? Well, you had, you, you had uh, what was it? Not the fish. That wasn't his name. The, 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 thin, the thin, tall guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The bird. The bird. bird. Mark Fidrich. Mark Fidrich. What a crazy Lance Parrish, the human muscle. Remember him? (laughs) Lance Parrish. Lance Parrish, the human muscle. What was that? (laughs) The human muscle. I love that. That's good. Okay, I'm play-by-play. I feel feel bad. I do not remember this. Play-by-play. When you tell me his name, I'm going to pop right in. You guys are going to know what I'm talking about as soon as I say his name. Okay, let's see what we got here. Boom. By the way, does football start tomorrow? Is Razorback football? Yep, starts tomorrow? tomorrow. It does start tomorrow. It's eleven weeks of hell for us. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they're going to be as bad as everybody thinks they're going. I hope to they're be. not. I, I don't I, think so. Are you I talking about Ernie Harwell? I don't. I don't Ernie, what? Ernie Harwell. Ernie Harwell. Ernie Harwell. God, yep. yeah. That, I got to sit down and got all these great stories. It's wonderful. I mean, and I use them at times. Well, I used to call baseball. I have no I, idea I why to... I even gave you the name because all you're going to do now is continue to talk baseball. <laughs> <laughs> do you know I tried yeah. to segue into Razorback football and there was just no well, response. Well, you did good, okay. though. You yeah, did no, well. You tried, what is it, Eastern Illinois? Is that who we're playing tomorrow? Eastern Illinois? I don't know. Did you see the picture today in the paper of the uh, – um, you know, it holds 76,000 now. And uh, they got that, uh, what, was it the north end that they filled in? Where the big screen is? Yeah. It looks fantastic. God, that looks great. That, that, that is a great football stadium it's they tremendous. got now. I love it. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I'd like to, I'm, we'll I'm, be up there I'm against have to Alabama. Get up and, We're going to go up and see uh, them play Bama this year. Yeah, Bama's coming. Yeah. be fun to Come go watch them. You're going to go up and see them? October 6th. Good luck. Have you watched? <laughs> have you watched on uh, television? I think it's on ESPNU. The uh, the series they've done about Bama and spring training. Mm-mm. 
a little, it's I call it a little bit very of bar. good. Okay, I mean, but they don't have any, any voice in the bar. But oh yeah, I, I was watching Nick Satan. Of course, yeah. we like to <laughs> Nick, Satan. Nick, Nick Satan. Satan. Nick Satan. Love you. He's <laughs> great you. though. What a coach. Listen, no doubt about it. I'm listening. I'm listening to this guy talking. I'm going. You can hate him as much as you want to hate him, but successful people are successful people. Some people just aren't going to like successful people. Yeah, he's real successful. And then you look at the people he brings in to talk to his players. He's got Kobe there talking to yep. him about how to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's really, they just do it different. They do it a little bit different. Yeah, they yeah, do they it do. different. They don't expect, they will not accept failure. No. No, failure's not an option. To. It's not an option. Yeah. And that's, that's where he gets the greatest, to play for him. Because they all want to play they want to go to the next level. They want to go to the NFL. They want to buy Mama a house. Get a chance. Yes, they do want to buy Mama a house. Get a That's chance right. to do it. You play football in Alabama, you could probably buy Mama a house before you start. Yeah. In the NFL career. A, that, that may be a lot of truth to that, to be honest. <laughs> Mama's got a house and a, and a I'm car. I'm not going there. Okay. I'm not going okay, there. Okay, so everybody's been listening. You've been on since 3.30. We're going now into the 5 o'clock hour. And they're listening to us talk. We've hardly talked. We've talked about pizza, and we've and we've <laughs> talked enough. about baseball. All right, we've talked about baseball, and people I know are saying these guys are two well-known chefs. And Paul, you're really well known here in the state of Arkansas, and they're all going. These are not what I thought <laughs> these chefs would be like. Do you, no, understand, anyway, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, right? I know exactly what it's you're saying. Crazy people. I, I I think you have to have that mentality, right, Paul? You tell me. It, it's that. This is mentality Anybody about who, working in a kitchen. You know what really happens? It becomes part of you. Listen, anybody who, you know, when people ask me, I have people all the time, oh, I, I want to be a chef. I, well, first of all, do you understand that it's years to even get that moniker? And then it's long hours. It's grueling hours, sometimes in kitchens that are 100 degrees or more. And that's a young man's game. It's a young man's game. Cement floors. I could not tell you how many times. How bad are your knees? My knees are real bad. Yeah. And and varicose veins are coming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. Like, the, you know, there's a rest. I won't tell you what it is. There's a restaurant in this town of Little Rock that put the rubberized floors in just for that purpose. I, I can... I commend her. She was she was thinking more of their health in the kitchen than she was of the of everything else because no one understands that. Listen, Tony, Tony, will throw pizzas for ten hours. Not just throw. But he makes pizza, makes the dough. Make, he that's ten twelve hours. Now listen, mm-hmm. I've had many people come in. I've had a long week this week. Well, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I had to go in the office. I've been there 38 hours. Or so. 38 hours. I got that in the first three days. I'm not yeah. complaining. Right. But when you hear that, they don't, some people don't realize what it really is to be in a kitchen professionally. It's different. But here's the key because you guys, it's not, it's not a job, it's an avocation. That's right. You love what you. I love what I do. Exactly. Very much so. And I've been I've been doing it since I was sixteen years old. That's when I started. I'm going to be sixty six next year. It's fifty, 50 years. years. Fifty years. I know. It's amazing. Well, listen. I I bake pies and sell them at our farmers market in Hot Springs. What do you think I did at six o'clock this morning? I was baking pies so I don't have yeah. to bake them when I get home tonight. So I was on. You know, I did. It's really Seven a, hours it with is a labor of love. I mean, it is a labor of love, it's no doubt about it. It's something that you really have to be uh, all in about, and you have to be committed. And your staff has to be committed with you as well, I think. And and I think and I love the idea of what kitchens really are. It's just it, there are misfit people in kitchens, that people that you wouldn't probably <laughs> hire in any other job, 
But when they come in and the, and the pressure starts and, and things start to roll, that's like a band of brothers, right? You know, it's, it's, I always say there's my kitchen is what? There's four of us or three of us. It's just three or four man Tai Chi we're trying to perform, right? In a very, very small space. Mm-hmm. And you try to orchestrate this ballet. I always like to say it's a ballet being fought out in an alley as well because it can get a little yeah, ugly we, sometimes. We call right? it organized you know, but, chaos. We yeah. call it organized but chaos. But you have to flow and it has to be like a it has to well, be like a. You just don't know what's going to happen during the night. You don't know yeah. exactly how many things you're going to sell of one item. You don't know, uh-oh, all we do is sell fish tonight or all we do is sell steaks tonight. Or what do we got to do there? We well, just the don't know. The air goes out. Air or, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's just as it's a, a, almost, the power goes out, right? I it's mean, almost one of the only businesses that you it, it's a sense of urgency no matter how busy you are how slow if the bathroom goes out in your restaurant if you own it you can't you're not supposed to be open if the power goes out how are you supposed to cook if the gas goes out how are you supposed if the water's not hot how do you wash dishes let me tell you that's a problem i mean at the end of the night you got greasy stuff you're trying to wa- you can't wash them in cold water i've seen many nights where you, you fill up a you know you boiling water to to, to to finish no one knows the behind the scenes had i not had i known all this before i got into it i probably wouldn't have done this really yeah but okay so you were you were on wall street you were working mm-hmm. you, you you're in there you know in that craziness and you're holding your hands up and showing the I fingers was. and all that and you're you're doing hundreds of buy, thousands buy, of dollars buy. and things of that sell, time, sell, right? sell yes <laughs> okay so you've not been a chef all your life no it just this has been the past five years I, I think what that job on Wall Street gave me though was an expense account in New York City an expense account obviously to travel to, to I had uh, accounts in Los Angeles and I had accounts in Toronto uh-huh. and I picked the good Chicago Yeah, I had dealt with the uh, First National Bank of Chicago and uh, uh, ABN Chicago I knew where the good food cities were so I'm, so I'm, <laughs> nothing I'm, wrong with that I'm like, so he, I'm like I love Toronto and I love Montreal and I love uh, Chicago and I love LA and I got to eat the food there and I think the only experience I really had really was that expense account showing me what good food was, right? Or, right. you know, I, I'm not going to say my grandmother was a good cook because she wasn't. You no, know, but I mean, see, you, you think the, the, grand, difference, you know, the difference with Tony uh, was he soul. ate good I mean, food and, and liked good food. <laughs> she, she tortured meat. I, I mean, <laughs> I know. Meat is, is meat supposed to be gray? No, I mean, it's not. <laughs> they, they didn't understand that. Like chicken, I, I, I didn't realize chicken was supposed to be moist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know? We don't want to get daddy, you know, we don't want to upset daddy's stomach, you know. It was, well, it was pretty funny, but, but and so I grew up in it. Me. See, I grew up in the business. You we did. Op- we opened totally a restaurant different. when we were 11, and my mom and my grandmother did a lot of the cooking, and we we had a huge kitchen, like an 18 by 20 kitchen in our house, and that's the focal point. See, that's what people, that's what draws me to the food industry, to me. It isn't, it, it isn't about, uh, it's that camaraderie, it's the fellowship, it's, you know, there's everything revolves around all the holidays revolve around food. Yeah, I mean, getting Absolutely. together with people. You, you get you call your friends and say, "Hey, let's have a dinner party," or "Let's go to a restaurant tonight." You get eight couples and you go out or whatever for whatever reason. If you're going to go down into Robinson and see a play, you know, mm-hmm. live music and live theater is something I grew up with because my mom was a a voice and and dance major at a school called Eastman School of Music in okay. Rochester, New York. To, like a Juilliard school. You get invited. Yeah, know what and you're she, talking about. She was a mezzo-soprano. So live music and live shows were her deal for us as children. That's so good for you. So you would go and then you'd go to dinner. And so we learned how that etiquette and we went through the, that whole phase of our life of this is how you act. And food was always, I mean, 4th of July. Uh, okay, that's what we do for 4th of July. 
Thanksgiving, 30 people yeah. in the house. And yeah. you look for because you only get those scalloped oysters once a year. That's <laughs> right. Or you I only get that. Well, Mom only dinner. makes that corn pudding once a year. Christmas, you know, it's food is about memory, right? Yeah. It is memory. It's, it's just it's, all memory. It, we're, we're a month away from my, my time of the year. I love the fall. I miss upstate New York. This time of year, it'll it'll start in about a month. Arkansas is beautiful this time of the year. Oh no, when, not that when, I don't like Arkansas. It's gorgeous this time, but of it's year. cool. The snappy weather, you start to smell. You could we picked apples and all that, and that whole memory sensation sure. is what I try to recreate here. All you the know, time. I was the kid all that. Time. By the way, I was the kid that told my mother she made bad food. <laughs> yeah, well, you were the you were definitely the misfit kid. There's yeah, no doubt about she, it. I don't know how she even tolerated me. No, but, she uh, tried. That's all. She just tried. She told you that too. Why don't you guys know? There's still. Doing Aretha Franklin's oh wow Gladys Knight right there she Gladys is Knight is doing a tribute right now to Aretha Franklin they've been going on since what noon mm-hmm. it's four o'clock right now yeah. it's six o'clock six, right now six in there it's five here that's right and they're still remembering Gladys Knight Mm-mm-mm. yeah that's she's special be the best person you, you could be at this year it looks like I yeah mean. well we already who have we heard we've heard now Gladys Knight we've heard Fantasia we heard Shaka Khan I mean my gosh. Unbelievable! Look at him standing up, and just singing along with her. You know, she good. was she was iconic. She's Aretha Franklin. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, you we don't get any bigger. Than greatest that. number one soul singer ever into the rock. How and is roll Keith Richards still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he is alive. <laughs> you I sure? Is it really is, Keith Richards? We get burgers, isn't it? They're just kind of just propping him around. <laughs> Do you understand the process of pickling? <laughs> That's yes. exactly yes. what has happened to it. I think that my, my sister, it was very funny. We were having this conversation the other day. She was like, uh, she goes, are you, she, uh, something about organ donating. She was like, nobody wants your organs, okay? <laughs> nobody. Okay. They're not, to, the closest, they're not as good as anyone. The okay? closest he came to dying when he fell out of a, of, the tree. Of, of a coconut tree. Yeah. He was up to getting coconuts. He fell out on his head, almost killed him. Mm-mm-mm. All those drugs. All the heroin couldn't get him. But couldn't get him. Coconut almost got him. Uh, 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 climbing a tree almost took him out. <laughs> I mean, he had to be rushed to a hospital, brain surgery. I mean, oh, unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Let's get a break. Come back. Got more to go. Got Chef Paul here. We got Chef Tony here. They're from Hot Springs. I'll make sure that they give you the address to go visit their restaurants here in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're good. We're back on. We were talking politics. I had to. Yeah, sl- I had to slow him down just a little bit. Okay. Well, no, we're talking food now. We're You're talking talk food. food. Yeah. All right. So you say that your family had their own restaurant. Yes. At what age? Eleven? Did you say? We opened when I was ten or eleven, I think. Kim. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you got this love of of food, and we've talked about how you played baseball all the way through college, mm-hmm. and then you got. I think you said you got you got struck by a ball mm-hmm. in the head, and then you could have come back, but. The love for the game just wasn't there anymore. I lost a lot of passion for the game. It was the love for food at that point. Honestly, um, I went for about six months of really searching because I really want. I really had an opportunity to play baseball. Yeah, and uh, you know, and this is not when they were paying. No, this wasn't. Dollars. Yeah, it wasn't gazillions of dollars. It was. It would have been an A ball. It would have been you know working your way up, um, but. I was in a position as a catcher that they always look for catchers, yeah. good, bad, and different, because it's a hard, hard position. Ig- the uh, the instruments of ignorance. Ignorance. Of, <laughs> that's right. Instruments of ignorance. So I and and I was intelligent, and that that helped a lot. Yeah. And I had I was a good athlete. I mean, I 
you know, the, the, the hardest one of the things they always want to know is if you were they didn't ever call it a catcher, they call it a receiver. Yes. And so I could receive. I had soft hands. I could catch the pop up that went off the bat because mm-hmm. that's a hard thing. Turn around and yeah. find it. So a lot of th- stuff like that I did well. But after I got hit and then got hurt, I I didn't work out. I didn't, you know, and I was like, you know what? Maybe this is not what the Lord has in in store for me. Right. And, you know, that was hard. It was hard for me because I thought I dedicated a lot of my life to it. Because it's what you really wanted to do. It was really what I wanted to do. Yep. Now, my parents had the restaurant and... Of course, I told my dad I wanted to be a golf pro then. <laughs> and when I told my dad I wanted to be a golf pro, golf professional, he about lost his mind. He says, well, you didn't need to go to college to do that. <laughs> and I said, okay. So we, we had a little discussion about that. And So what did you study in college? I was a business administration. Public speaking was my minor. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I, I didn't have – money doing it. Yeah, I didn't have any uh, qualms about uh, – the, the business courses weren't hard. I mean, it, it was common sense, a lot of it. I mean, the accounting courses were harder for me just because I never understood at that time in my life ROI and all you know all yeah. these things that, the, you know, it was a lot of abbreviations. I kept saying, I got to look that I up. I was an accounting look. major. Huh? I was an accounting major and never used it. Yeah. I mean, so uh, yeah, w- mom and dad being in the restaurant business took me to what I knew. I loved it. It was about that friends. It was about making people happy with food. It was about doing stuff that was good because, you know, when we grew up in Ithaca, New York, you got to realize a lot of Cornell graduates would come out with their PhDs and go, I'm not going down to the city. I'm not going to get in the mainstream. And they'd go up on the hill and buy a farm, a 40-acre farm, and raise goats and, and shiitakes <laughs> on a log. And so in 1969 and 70, we were eating shiitakes off a log and goat cheese and stuff like like people when i first moved to arkansas in 93 i couldn't find spring mix at a restaurant i couldn't order it i couldn't get herbs i couldn't i called cisco i said well come on guys where are you get in the real world and then they did and and i don't brag about it but i guarantee they didn't have it before i was here and so it was became one of those things that i i just was driven to the because mom and dad were in it and my mother had the best taste it's not about it's about taste. It's about acids, fats, salts, sweets, and sours, and now the new one, umami. But my mother could open up that refrigerator and make whatever she wanted 365 days a year, and you'd go, wow, that's the best thing since sliced bread. My mother couldn't. She liked to go out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> she, but, you know, my dad was a truck driver, and it was like an honor or a treat to be able to take your family out to dinner. Oh, yeah. you know, well, it was for us, too. You know, it really was. It was a really, it was a big deal. We and went to George's Restaurant in Ithaca, New York. That was our big night out. Yeah, you know, no, and it, it was uh, it was so important because everybody was, whether it was around the, the dinner table, the dinner the dinner time was, no matter where you were, 6 o'clock at night, you knew you had to be home. Now, oh, 6 o'clock? Right? You had to have Absolutely. dinner. Absolutely. And you talked about everything you did that day, and your dad would just challenge you at of course different he things and absolutely stuff like that. i understand why my father didn't find me funny now okay i thought, I thought my sister and i thought we were funny yeah. right i understand why he was tired you know he drove a truck yeah. he got up at five o'clock in the morning broke his back to drive a truck every day and you know he got home and he wanted to eat and you know we thought we were funny but obviously we weren't but you're right that was that seminal moment in the day where everybody got together and yeah we talked about school we talked about what you learned today we I talked got yelled about at a lot. Yeah. I know that. I mean, I got yelled at a lot. We didn't go. We didn't 
grab our plate and go in and watch TV. The TV no. was off. You couldn't leave. No, the you, table. you had to ask no. to leave the table. That's right. No, absolutely. That was not an option. Not an option. No. You, had you might have helped clean the table too. You sure did. Oh my God! Clean Things are different table. now. <laughs> Things are, di- you know, and you didn't call mom and say, and say "Hey, you. I'm going over to somebody's and say, thank house." Thank you for dinner. Yeah. And say thank you for dinner. And say thank you, mom. Yeah. You always should thank your mom for dinner. That's just that's something that you should do. You shouldn't take that for granted. Now you go do your homework. You put your headphones on. I always wondered it. why I wasn't a straight-A student like my brother and my sister. They got to watch Johnny Carson 11 o'clock. Now I'm in bed snoozing at 9 o'clock. Mm. I never understood that. Yeah. Hello. I'm going to take Dan. a break here, guys. <laughs> We're going to the news. By the way, Stevie Wonder is at Aretha here Franklin's funeral right now. Unbelievable, the people who showed up for this. And, and, and rightly so. She was, as they say, the queen of soul, just as Elvis was the king of rock and roll. All right, we'll be back here in just a moment. Look who's sitting there. Well, yeah, Ashley Farrakhan. Here's the news. You know, you don't like that commercial, Russ, and I love that commercial. I just like that. Just be smart-ass <laughs> like that and say, I'm going to have three hours of Dennis Prager on the Dennis Prager show. I love that. <laughs> I have no issue with that promo whatsoever. <laughs> now, if it's four hours of Dave Ellswick on the next Dave Ellswick show, I might yeah, have a problem You won't with let that me one. do that. By the way, I've cut all my promos for you while I'm gone. Next well, I week. hope they're on the, in the system. I hope Zach's put them in. Zach already. said he already put them in the system. They're good. All right, let me remind everybody really quick uh, that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. And check this out. The federal government will not let the Social Security Administration people that you go over and see to actually offer you any personalized advice. You're on your own. You are on your own. Probably to wonder why as much as $10 billion annually in benefits goes unclaimed uh, every year. So learn how you can wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. Get it from David Lucas. Uh, You hear David uh, here on the Dave, not the Dave Ellswick Show, but right here on uh, 101.1 FM on Saturdays at 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Get a free 2018 Guide to Social Security call, 501-653-6690. That's uh, 501-653-6690 or visit David Lucas at davidlucasfinancial.com. Man, we're down now to about 20 minutes. I've had a great time today, Oh, guys. I've had a fabulous this time. Has been thank you really, so much for really, having us. Yeah, this thanks for really having amazing. us up. Thank you, Kat, for uh, yeah. setting this up. Lose your Absolutely. voice again, Kat. We'll come back. <laughs> no, Kat, she don't lose your voice, please. We'll get her on here when, she's still, when she can talk again, and we'll get all of you guys around and uh, we'll do this. fun. By the way, sometime, uh, uh, Tony... Have me to your pizzeria, and I'll do my show live there. I would love to have that. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be great. That'd, that'd be, be a great. lot of fun. Yes, it would. Eat, eat pizza and talk. It'd be wonderful. I would do that. You're welcome anytime I you want to do come that. down, that'd sir. would be great. So tell everybody, exact, give them the address and everything, uh, uh, what's the name of the pizzeria? It's Toluca's Pizza, and we're located at uh, 407 Park Avenue in the beautiful city of Hot Springs, Arkansas. And we're open from Thursday to Sunday, uh, from 4 to, I guess, 4 to 9, and then... I, I think know. you better I, I, you explain know. to him what's going on. No, uh, yeah, I, I, I change the hours. I might, you know, yeah. I, I don't really run the typical restaurant that most people run, but it, it, it's it's limited. Uh, we hope it's it's as good as people say it is, and uh, it's a special place. It's not. It's look. It's not a chain. It's not a chain. <laughs> no, it's Absolutely. not a chain. It's definitely not a chain. He's making 
But 75 pies 75 a day. 75 pies a day, and we call it quits. And uh, it's You got to call ahead. Call ahead and order a pie. Say, I need a pie. What's, okay. what's the phone number? Uh, our phone number there is uh, 501-609-9002. And Chloe or Heather will be happy to answer the phone and help you. I'll send that out to Elizabeth, and that will be on all of our social media this evening. Thank you so much. Make sure, again, how early should you call to order a pie for the day? You know, we we start we actually start answering the phones about four o'clock. So anytime anytime thereafter when we're open, uh, people send us uh, th- uh, via Facebook uh, reservations, which is pretty interesting, or emails. Uh, the Lucas Pizza at iCloud dot com. You can always get a hold of us there, and we start to just you know we look at our book and uh, we f- we do fill up pretty quickly and. Uh, yeah, definitely on a weekend, folks. The weekends, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Thursdays and Sundays are different. I think you can come in. Uh, you probably we, get one, but yeah, not on Friday and Saturday easier. night, no. It's, but, you know, during the summertime, it's different because there's obviously there's a lot of tourists in, in Hot Springs. When the kids go back to school, for some reason, in the middle of, what, July? Seems that way sometimes. Who's, who's thinking about that as being a good idea? But that's beside the point. Uh, but as the kids go back to school now, we're a little bit quieter. Uh, okay. We'll be crazy this weekend because it's Labor Day. Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Okay, so D E L U C A, right? Uh, D E L U C A S to Lucas okay. Pizza. That's my grandpa's name, by the way. Okay, That's very cool. I named it after him. Very good. And Paul, you're doing what now? I'm doing some consulting work for uh, Bones Chop House, which okay. is a new steakhouse in Hot Springs. Been open since December. It shows you how stupid I am because I'm saying, you know, I keep hearing about this new. Steakhouse that you know, Cat was telling me. He goes, "Yeah, that's mine." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's me. And yeah. uh, also, the same owner owns a place called Froggy's out west. It's uh, on Airport Road. Okay. Casual dining, uh, neighborhood restaurant, and then. But Bones is a nice chop house. Uh, Thirty-five day age meat. Uh, they have some prime on the menu. Uh, it's about two hundred seats. It's the old Ruby Tuesdays. I don't know exactly the. Address thirty nine twenty or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. It's right across from the Central Bowling. Terrific range. Sunday brunch. Yeah, nice Sunday brunch. Terrific they, they Sunday brunch. They do a brunch. lot. They're open uh, every day except for only for dinner. Uh, open at four o'clock and closed on Mondays. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. I sell my pies. Thank you, Cat, for getting me more business than I could handle. Some days she did a big excerpt on uh, the promotion that she did for uh, my pies and. Uh, She's been a good friend for that, and she put me in the book, and she put me on the video, which went to AETN, and I get people every week now, I see you on AETN, I'm coming down, are these pies as good as you say? I no, hope, I no, hope he's so. Not, he's not talking pizza pie here, right? No, we're talking... Uh, no, we're talking real pies here. Yes, yeah, a real pies. She's actually said some beautiful things about what I do, and I'm forever grateful for her kindness of of uh, what she said about... Uh, you could probably drive a New Yorker nuts by... Asking for a piece of pie. <laughs> yeah, you yes, don't. You you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we, we that's say not pie. pie. It's like we gravy, say, right? Well, it's gravy. When people come in and they go, What's we, gravy? Gravy to, to me is red. It's not white. You yeah, know, gravy, red things. gravy, right. Yeah. Okay. Like a pie. I would Got to ask you, have you had chocolate gravy? Not a fan. Not a fan, not huh? Not a fan. I don't know why. Listen, I will eat biscuits and gravy all day. White gravy or sausage gravy is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But the chocolate thing, I can't get my head around it. I don't know why. <laughs> I. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at anything. Do you make that? You make make chocolate gravy? I never grew up with gravy. Okay. Okay. Neither did I. I had brown gravy, turkey gravy, (laughs) and white gravy. Mom made white gravy once in a while. Well, see, in in South Korea, you have stuff to put on all the food because you really don't want to know what (laughs) you're eating. (laughs) I'm just telling you. (laughs) 
it all tastes good, but it's all the yeah, gravy little, little and the sketchy, spices. A little sketchy. That's sure. what it's all about. So what what is your specialty, Paul? Well, I mean, if you had if you had all the money that you could ever need and you wanted to start another restaurant and really get at it, what would you want to zero in on? Fish. Please start a real fish restaurant. No, I'm serious about that. No, I'm serious I, about I, feeding me. I had <laughs> me too. I had a guy at at Chef Paul's, which was my flagship yeah. for 11 years. Um, we flew all the fish in, all of it. And uh, you know, you got to be careful when you're in a landlocked situation like we are, because FedEx does not fly on a couple days a week. Everybody thinks, well, you get fresh fish on Monday. No, impossible. Doesn't happen get it tuesday friday tuesday through friday and you can sometimes get it on saturday Mm -hmm. okay so you get trucked in fish you don't know how old it is you don't know where it came from i had the best fishmonger in the united states of america being my friend and we would compete with uh the japanese for the tuna that came from fiji we would get spotted prawns from uh, alaska we would get halibut all year round and people don't realize the season in alaska goes away but the season outside British Columbia doesn't go away. There's another 70, 80 days involved right there, and you can get fresh. And we, this man would do that for me. And he is, if you're anybody, and and you you don't understand, people don't understand what that means. If Not everybody can buy fish from this guy. But if you're Thomas Keller or you're Daniel Balud or you're some of these big guys in Vegas, that's who he sells to. And I was just fortunate to know him, get to know him, and – He'd send people from Honolulu with fish for me. We could use a good fish place. Everybody, everybody we says could. that. The, the issue is, the issue is, uh, do the people want to pay for good fish? Exactly, that's the problem. I mean, I mean I'll be we're honest, not in right New York. Yet. We're not yeah. in New York, Chicago, Houston, Dallas. We're not in those kind of towns. So people, and, and you have to know what you can sell. This is part of the restaurant industry that people never think about. You can just, oh, I'm a great cook. I want to open a restaurant. What if they don't like it? There you go. I mean, it's not what we like. It's what the customer's going to buy. But, you know, I'm a simple I'm a simple cook. I, I you know, I I can do pretty much what I want. There's a restaurant in New York called La Bernardin. And La Bernardin, he's my he's one of my true mentors. I didn't have a lot of true mentors. My mom was my mentor. There was no one that had taste buds like my mother until I met my wife. Honestly, I never left Chef Paul's until I hired my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time, but she was my sous chef. And I never would leave that. I was 24-7 every day. Explain to people what a sous chef is. Uh, Well, that means in French would mean sauce chef. It's basically the guy or the woman who does all the sauces, does a lot of the hot prep. It's not the guy who runs the kitchen, as people here think. Mm -hmm. The, The chef de cuisine runs your kitchen. And then the executive chef is your executive he is like your manager correct so a sous chef is a working cook but he does the hot sauces and he does a lot of the the hot prep the important stuff well if you're sauce if you're french and you're classically trained like i am that's what you do you you know you don't eat filet without a sauce you might eat it with butter but it has no flavor it's Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's it's no fat so you want you know some sauces so there's plenty of nice places to eat now 
when I first moved here in 93, there wasn't as many. But now we have got a pretty nice culinary diversity going on in Little Rock and in Hot Springs. A lot of good food up here. Yeah. We, we like to go to a couple places in town. Threefold Noodle. We Threefold like going Dumpling there. is. Have yeah, you been the there, dumpling Dave? Where's that at? Threefold Dumplings on Main Street. No, and I have not. She makes dumplings. It's a, a, a mom. Uh, it's a family. Uh, Big old, you know the dumplings that are pan fried. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as good as dumplings you've had anywhere. Oh, these are as good as planet. going to Chinatown. The yeah, little place I like going to is right over on Shackleford. You know where uh, the big church is at? Mm-hmm. Right across there's sure. a Vietnamese soup place. Have you ever been there? Oh, I haven't been there, but I've heard about it. It's really there. good. And you know what? You'll want to talk to the guy who I'll owns it. I'll try it because he fought with the uh, uh, the South Vietnamese during really during Vietnam. Got very interesting guy to talk to. I will to. definitely try it. I'm just telling you, that's a great... If, if you've never had Vietnamese food, you should try it. You'd like it. Delicious. Well, I lived in Fort Smith for a few years. Delicious. My wife from there and her father got ill, so we moved there for a while. And there's a Vietnamese restaurant all over that town. It's a high concentration of Vietnamese people But it's because Smith. of the internment that's camps cool. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, some of the food there is absolutely green papaya. <laughs> Give me a break! I love that food. I can go there, and, and then you don't, you don't, you know, you're not walking out there bloated. You're not nope. walking out there too much of this or too much of that. It was really great. So yeah, they'll lay a lot of it, a lot of food in front of you, and you think I can't eat all that, and you'll be amazed. Yeah, you can. You you know, rice noodles are different than wheat. Yes, noodles. they are. Do you know a place I love? Those those steakhouse, those eat places. Yeah, those is good. I just I don't know something about that place. I just love. You know, it's like <laughs> and a big old slab of meat. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a well. Definitely you're a you're a, you're a a spark steakhouse guy you're a yeah i'm a peter luger's guy you're a peter Absolutely. luger guy yeah. i mean you know the 40 my favorite hamburgers. restaurant in the whole world 40 dollar hamburger no no the hamburger is uh, 17 it's the best hamburger on the planet it is they just use those this aged meat to to make a a, a cheeseburger that I, our I new just york can't. our new york attitude is showing right now no i don't but my sister has that attitude where they think that everything in new york is better than everything everywhere else yeah. and i don't believe that at all because no, i gotta be honest definitely with not. You. being a new yorker I never understood what Southern food really was, or I never understood really what barbecue. I never was. had fried barbecue, chicken till I. I never had right? fried. I have never had Southern fried chicken. I don't care how many play I've lived or whatever. Till my wife made it for me. Sure, we it, didn't have fried chicken at home. No, we didn't do it. We didn't know what barbecue. You know, we we, we tried to barbecue in the backyard. We didn't but that smoke was ridiculous. like this. Though. No, barbecue in the South is religion, and it is such a different experience, and it's amazing. It really, really is. I mean, I can go literally every day and eat Well, barbecue. we like Sims. We go to Sims. Oh, yeah. We love Sims. Yeah, terrific. Now you're serious. Terrific. Really yeah, that's, terrific yeah, that's stuff. That's really, really serious. Okay, so now you were in, in Vegas. Now, this is before you decided to become a chef. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good restaurants in Oh, Vegas. absolutely. No, there is. All right. I'm thinking no. uh, MGM. Uh, what's his name? Bam. Emeralds. Emerald. Yeah. Emerald. yeah. Emerald's this there. place is pretty Spago's, good. Uh, Spago's was there. Wolfgang Puck was really the, the guy who changed it. He came out of a fight one night. And it was like 8 o'clock at night, and he realized he couldn't eat. There was no way to eat. So <laughs> right. he said, this might be a good idea you know, to, put, to put some restaurants I in mean, there. years ago, you and wouldn't go the there to 90s. eat the buffet. They were terrible. Yeah. 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 Now, they're $40, $50 buffets, and they're nice. And. Mm-hmm. You, you literally can eat anything. We were just there. We just won a pool tournament in Hot Springs, and we just flew out to Vegas for uh, for the tournament. And I just can't believe how much the city keeps growing. I, I moved there in the early '90s when there was none of it. I mean, it's like no, it was they, they were just, starting to make the change. In yes, the they that's right. that's yes, they were. Yes, they were. And it was, I, I thought it was a, a great place to live. And I think it was the population was like seven hundred thousand people at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's around two million now, or it's close yeah, to my, a million and a half. My aunt and uncle 
live there and my cousin lives there and we i've been out there a few times again fortunate to stay at the win hotel which is just Gorgeous. you know top notch uh, yeah he owes me money too steve wins still owes me money hey, hey, steve, he's got a cleveland you can send a check to the lucas all right now, wait, all right. He's, being attacked, he's being attacked by the me too people oh yes he is <laughs> that's crazy well he just resigned from something i know not Did good. He resign as the president of Win or something. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they that. forced him out. Unbelievably ridiculous. Yeah, it's just really, crazy. really, really is. All right, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, I'm going to come back again. I want everybody to know exactly where they go to sample uh, your pies and your steaks okay. and your pizzas. And uh, I want everybody that's listening to this today make sure you go on my. my uh, make sure if you're on Twitter with me or on Facebook or whatever, we'll post all of this. You get over there and uh, you try out these and sample these guys' food. Chef Paul with us. Chef Tony's here. We'll be back with more on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got about three minutes left. I hope that you will have a great Labor Day weekend. Many of you will have three days off. I will do that. I'm leaving tonight right after I get off the air. I'm going up to northern Kentucky to the Ark Encounter. You know, they built a life-size Ark from the you know genesis did they really yeah so i'm gonna go up there and check it out i've heard great things about it. i'm gonna check it out then i'll make my way over to louisville and see what's going over sure. there a lot of good things. where my mother was from so I'm cool head over there may even go visit her grave all right it'd be the first time since 94 if i go see her grave i go and see you know that's mm. kind of a southern thing you know, no, it's the New York thing, but too. But I'm not, I'm I'm not, not a thing. I'm not, into, I'm not a fan of it. Not a big thing. And, and, and But I may go. Keep them alive in your spirits yeah, and yeah. your thoughts. I'm That's with you. all that matters. I'm with you. All right, so let's start off this time with you, Chef Tony. Again, where you're at, you're just telling me you're going to move here shortly. So tell us where you're at now, where you're going to, and then give us the phone number again. And remember, this is a special place, 75 pies a day. You want one of them? Call <laughs> early. We're at uh, 407 Park Avenue uh, in Hot Springs. Uh, our phone number is uh, 609-9002. And, we're, again, we're just open Thursday till Sunday for now. And uh, we, we're just in the – come down and see us in Hot Springs. It's just beautiful down there. All right. Best place in the world. All right. Chef Paul. Bones? Bones Chop House. It's uh, on Central Avenue right across from Central Bowling Lanes. I think it's 3920. And it is a open for dinner six nights a week and Sunday brunch, closed on Mondays. Top-notch steak, 30 days, age minimum, uh, hand-cut in 1,800 degrees, cooked at. Uh, you're not going to get a better steak anywhere. I think it's t- – and we even have prime, prime ribeyes. I'm trying to find enough prime st- uh, strips and stuff to bring mm-hmm. in, but we use the prime ribeye right now. And uh, then I bake my pies, sell them at the farmer's market or – Call me. I usually bake pies every what's, day. If I have what's to. the phone number to get a pie? Uh, 479-259-4780. Okay. What's Just give me 24 hours and I bake anything. What's, really your, what's, your, what's, your, mo- what's your most popular pie? The most popular pie I have now is cinnamon apple. The second most popular is what we call an Arkansas Derby pie. Okay, and what is that? Well, that's... Uh, it's just good. It's, pe- <laughs> just it's good. pecans and walnuts crushed Ooh. with chocolate chips. It has a touch of bourbon in it. It's like a big Toll House She cookie. make the fresh berry Ooh. pies, too, that are terrific. Oh, the, the berry the, pies. The, ber- the wild Maine blueberry pie. If you ever go to Maine in that part of the world in August, you eat wild Maine blueberries. I will, and they're I will, fabulous. Well, I've got to go to D.C. next week. When I get back, I'm going to order 
a wild Maine blue. Oh, I yeah. love blueberry pie. Oh, this is this Dave, is top notch. It's good. Okay, it's good. I have to get some of it. Yeah. Okay, so don't forget either of these places. You're always looking for some place new to eat. I'm going to have to get the bones week after next, and we'll try to get over to Deluca's as well. Guys, thanks for coming. Thank in. you it is so much. Oh, what a pleasure! Absolutely <laughs> wonderful today. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a great, great time. Uh, so have I. I uh, thank you, Cat, for uh, thinking of us to do this with you, Dave. But really, it's a pleasure and an honor to meet you, sir. And Thank you for having us on Okay, today. so yep. if you're watching this on uh, Facebook, share it with your friends. Love it. I'll see you when I get back, and uh, I'll be talking to you Wednesday from D.C. Have a great weekend. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.